Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and of course the funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined in studio by one Christine Steimer. Hello, and joining us via satellite is Brittany Brombacher. Hello. Okay, technically it's the internet; it's not it's, satellite. Yeah. But I just wanted to say it one time. It sounded good. You got it out of your system. Good job. Through wires of some kind. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be chatting about the crazy Nintendo sales numbers, PlayStation's brand new state of play, and of course, what's going on with that beef between Apple and Xbox. And then later on in the show, we're going to be chatting about Marvel's Avengers beta, Paper Mario, the Origami King, Grounded, and the colorful internet sensation that is Fall Guys. Thank you so much to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Ate, Justin Foshi, Muhammad Muhammad, Marcus Brown, Punctified, and Californicated. And welcome to our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games to Medale TQ, Chelsea May, Calvin De Jesus, Age of the Exile, Spencer Dahl, Jeff Parsons, David Santos, Andrew Countryman, Sean Kavanaugh, Brian Ochoa, XVVX, or is that 15... Whatever VX what is. That? is. I'm really uh, VX is not technically a real Roman numeral. And the mighty Ethan. Uh, thank you so much for supporting everything we do here at What's Good Games. Brittany, I hear we have some new podcast reviewers. We do. Huge shout out to TF Counts, Peace Walker, King Smitty85, Steimer's Husbando. Fault. What? <laughs> Yeah. Well, Ooh, well, well, well. The suspense. They left out the E, so it's technically, I guess, Steimer, still Steimer. Steimer says Bando, full tilted, and Snivy Link, who says, This is great for broken wrists. And at first, I'm like, Oh no, so it's a fap joke. But then the review goes on. I broke my wrist while falling off my bike, and I was in the middle of a Xenoblade playthrough, too, so I'm out of luck on playing video games right now. But binging this podcast last month has been a delight. Really takes my mind off of being unable to play games right now, so thanks for that. I'm always looking forward to every single episode. Heal up quickly, Snivy Link, and thank you for listening to us and for your review. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to leave us a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. So we're doing this new thing, you guys, where we try to get into the news right away. Yeah. We're finding that, So let's do it. Yep, let's just do it. So let's get into the news. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this segment of news is brought to you by patreon.com slash what's good games. We'll tell you more about that later. Our first story of the day, Brittany. Nintendo is crushing it. 
So this comes from IGN. Animal Crossing New Horizons sales reach 22 million as, Nintendo, as Nintendo's net profits rise over 500% year on year via IGN. So Nintendo's first quarter results for its fiscal year ending March 2021 have revealed some impressive details, including that Animal Crossing New Horizons has sold over 22 million copies, that the Switch has sold over 61 million units, and that Nintendo's net profits year on year have grown by over 500%. Animal Crossing New Horizons at 22.4 million units sold has become the second best selling Nintendo Switch game behind Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's 26.74 million. It has surpassed both Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which have sold 19.99 million and 18.6 million units, respectively. Animal Crossing. Suck it, losers. (laughs) (laughs) Animal Crossing is coming to eat your lunch. God, I was not it. anticipating that, but I'm here for I it. I am so here for it. Thank you, Cyber. <laughs> Animal Crossing New Horizons was so popular from April to June 2020 that it was played on over 50% of all Nintendo Switch systems sold during that period on the first day of purchase. Furthermore, Animal Crossing New Horizons accounted for over 40% of overall sell-through for Nintendo titles in Japan, the U.S., Europe for that same time. Speaking of software, Nintendo has Nintendo also had 2 million... Two new million sellers released this quarter with Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, which our friend Phil was playing until he broke his wrist. Rip your wrist. And Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics, selling 1.32 million units and 1.03 million units, respectively. Ring Fit Adventure, which had a product shortage issue from beginning in March, has sold over 4 million copies globally. This was reflected in July 2020's NPD report that saw Ring Fit Adventure jump from number 835 to number 7 on the best-selling list for the month as stock increased. Another interesting note is that digital sales accounted for 55.6% of total software sales on Nintendo's dedicated video game platforms. The success of the Switch's software was mirrored by the console itself, which has now sold 61.44 million units, putting it only slightly behind the NES's 61.91 million units sold. And this quarter, 3.25 million Nintendo Switch systems were sold, and 2.62 Nintendo Switch Lite systems were sold. This totals to 5.68 million Switch consoles sold in that time frame, which is a 166% increase year-on-year. Lastly, Nintendo's mobile and IP-related income reached 13.2 billion yen, around 125 million U.S. dollars, which is a 32.7 increase Year over year. Lots of increasing going on here. All of these highlights tell the story of Nintendo's net profit reaching 100.6.4 billion yen. Billion. Billion yen. About 1 billion US. A 576.2% increase year on year from fiscal years. 20 quarter one, 16.6 billion yen, aka 157, 157 million USD. Holy shit. Okay. As for what the future holds for Nintendo, we don't know too much of its plans besides some undated games, including The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 and Metroid Prime 4, and the recently announced Pikmin 3 Deluxe, which will be released on October 30th, 2020. Oh boy, that was a lot of information, Brittany. A lot of numbers. Uh, yeah, that's see anything past the, the 10th, I'm done. Let, let's just scrap the 100th decimal. Like, no one needs that shit. But anyway. No, I. I, I agree, but we wanted to talk about these numbers because they're significant for a couple of reasons. First, congratulations to Nintendo on all of your success. I obviously am very much in the Animal Crossing camp that I love this game and I love it so much I started a weekly stream of it and it's no surprise to me that it's selling a lot of copies, but boy, I was not 
ready for them to take the number two spot of Switch games in total sales. Them surpassing Super Smash Bros. is a quite impressive feat, especially when Pokemon is also in that top five list. Yeah, it's a lot. I, I guess yeah. I would love to go back and listen to our discussions about Animal Crossing New Horizons back in the day and see how we hypothesized this would go down. Because there's a lot of conversation of like, we knew Animal Crossing was a console seller or handheld seller rather for the DS system of consoles. But it was more of how was it, how was it going to do on the Switch? And I think we all anticipated it would do very well. But I mean, I did not think it would do this well. I'll just admit that yeah, right off the bat. I don't think, I, I yeah. don't think any of us. I think if you were, did go back and look, none of us would have predicted the success that it's currently had. Um, and I don't think that you could because, hello, world pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it helps. There are def- definitely some factors involved here that boosted its uh, its numbers that nobody really could have anticipated. So it's had that going for it. Not to say that it's not a great game, but it's just the circumstance pool. It's just you to ripe. Those waters were, were nice and warm for him. Mm. I just think that you could take a game like Animal Crossing that feels super niche and is missing a lot of key functionality that you expect in a game that has online built into it in the year 2020 <laughs> and go, oh my goodness, how did this game sell over 20 million units? And obviously the pandemic was an effect, right? Not to say that I'm taking away from Nintendo's achievement here, but like clearly they're tied together, right? Like there's no disputing that whatsoever. The people are at home and the easiest thing to do when you have multiple people in a house and you maybe only have one television, but you've got a switch is like you play in handheld mode. Like I've been playing in handheld mode obsessively outside. Like it's the only time I get to like go outside and get some sunshine and still play video games at the same time is when I have my switch in my hand. And I think that a lot of other people clearly around the globe are in the same boat. And I think it's really impressive that Animal Crossing has been able to do this. I may have tweeted to Nintendo (laughs) to be like, so um, if you've sold over 20 million units, that seems to me like you have some development budget that you could put towards maybe letting us craft more than one item at a time. Maybe we could decorate outside, like we decorate inside our house. And maybe, for the love of God, can I get a shopping cart at Able Sisters? It's really just like... (laughs) You know, just a short a short list of things that I would like to request with that development money. You know, now you can't hide it, Nintendo. We know you've got it. <laughs> we know you have it. Of course, they like, do. We are squirreling this away for Animal Crossing Three. I'm trying yes. to see well, how many cards, whatever they title it, because it's not numbers. It's whatever the the the, the colon colon cute blah. phrases. Yeah, it's gonna be new something. It's gonna be tarantula bees nest. Oh no, <laughs> no. So I'm trying to see how many copies the last Animal Crossing sold, which was New Leaf. By March 2020, all versions combined had worldwide sales of 12.5 million copies, making it one of the best-selling 3DS games. Okay. so also, Next one will be New Dunes, and it's all desert. <laughs> all desert all the time. I thought You have to build a well. It's, it's interesting, because yeah, I feel like that's just Nintendo in a nutshell. Is they, re- they release this game that does so incredibly well, but like Andrea said, it's just missing a lot of the functionality that I think would make it... Much better in so many ways. But I feel like that's kind of what they do is they put out these games. There's some faults with it. But we're like, but we love it and we can't get enough of it. Please give us more. And Nintendo's like, well, then why do we need to innovate and make it better? If clearly it's doing fine the way it is. Pokemon, ladies and gentlemen. I will say it. I will say it right here. Pokemon Sword and Shield did some things a little bit differently. But they could have done so much more. But But do they need to? Nay. I mean, like that's a very that's a very valid point. So I was tweeting with blessing, um, kind of funny games daily 
post uh, blessing, and we were tweeting at one o'clock in the morning, and it was a very, spirited, <laughs> a very spirited debate because he had posted these numbers, and I was like, oh my gosh, I was Googling furiously for them, and I was like, show me where the numbers are, and he linked me to the Nintendo finance report. And so just for you guys to know, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe still in the number one position with 26.7 million units sold. Animal Crossing New Horizons in number two with 22.4 million units sold. Super Smash Bros. in third with 19.99 million units, and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild in fourth with 18.6 million, and then Pokemon Sword and Shield in the fifth position with 18.22 million. And I think that this is really indicative of people loving Nintendo's product. I think we talk about it on the show all the time about how one of the things that Nintendo does really well is polish, polish, polish. When you get a Nintendo first-party game, you know the game is just going to work. It's going to look good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be whimsical. And it's just not going to be broken. And I think that there's absolutely a testament to Nintendo's commitment to both their internal development teams and also the hardware that they are developing for. But Animal Crossing was the first game that I had bugs and crashes in. And I don't know if that's because of what they're trying to implement in multiplayer. And it's just outside of their general scope of game development knowledge. Or if if there's some other reason involved. I, I hope that it's just because they're trying to do more with multiplayer than we've really traditionally seen Nintendo do before. And so it's maybe kind of like... in disrupting their workflow but i'm excited for the future where nintendo stretches their wings a little bit and stops hoarding this giant mountain of cash that they keep making (laughs) and say you know what let's get into the future where our competitors are standing firmly right so uh, this little debate that i had with blessing you know also incorporated this idea of the attach rate and how so many nintendo switch owners buy first party nintendo games and i was like LOL, there's nothing else to play. Obviously, that was a joke. There's plenty of other third-party games to play, but not nearly the selection of third-party compared to Xbox, PlayStation, and most certainly not to PC platforms, right? So that's not up for debate. So my point was, like, you know, where can they innovate? Where can they actually do better and make their platform even bigger? Even, like, could Nintendo one day surpass what PlayStation is doing if they actually reinvested some of that money that they're just squatting on? And I think it's a really interesting prospect because of the style of games that they make that if they really did make a robust online interface that rivaled something like an Xbox Live, could they become the new powerhouse like they once were in the world of console video games? Ooh, that's a fun question, isn't it? Hmm. I mean, I think so. I would love to see Nintendo rise to the top and be like, fun, friendly games without gore for the win. You know? (laughs) Like... Good, wholesome fun that everybody can enjoy. Well, that's family, that's very like non controversial. Like there, we could maybe all use a dose of that right now. I mean, that's why Animal Crossing did so well. <laughs> but um, huh. I think the I think just to cut on, to touch on a couple of those points, like the yeah. attach rate to me has never been that surprising because I feel like that's fairly standard for a Nintendo platform in general. Because when you are buying a Nintendo uh, console of any kind, you're usually buying it for the Nintendo game. So like. Yeah, it has, has a high attach rate of first party yes, games. Yes, that was my point. Yeah. Color me an um, I'm not um, going to, I just want to like interject one thing because I have stats on the attach rate. So if you wouldn't mind just yeah, holding that yeah, next thought in your little pocket, it. Simon, because I don't want to cut you off. So I Daniel Amad tweeted now. this out. 
He said, here is something you just don't see on other platforms. 43.5% of Nintendo Switch owners have purchased Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. After less than five months on the market, over 36% of Nintendo Switch owners have a copy of Animal Crossing New Horizons. The top six games on the Switch have an attach rate of almost 30%. And so... Mario Kart 8, 43.5% of Switch owners own that. Animal Crossing, 36%. Smash Ultimate, 32 Breath of the Wild, 30 Sword and Shield, 29 Odyssey, 294 So just speaking on that, there you go. <laughs> it's main driving factor yeah. of 82.5% of total software revenue attributed to first-party game sales. So yeah, it kind of that goes to like what Andrea was talking about. But I will let you continue your point. No, I mean, I think that it's important, though, that if you're going to bring up something like that, that we provide a little bit of context for why those numbers are the way they are, right? Because this is also a a little bit of a, I don't want to say a fight, but like a spirited debate I got in with some other people on Twitter. It's like, of course, those attach rates are going to be, you know, historically high because, as I mentioned in in my debates, is that you don't really have a lot of other AAA options on the Nintendo Switch. You know, like you have Fortnite, and you can play on literally any, any other device. device. <laughs> um, and like that's about it. I mean, you do get some standouts here and there. You know, Diablo 3 Eternal Collection, I think, is a big one that did really well on Nintendo Switch. But I again, that game. Witcher sold on it. I don't actually know. I don't know. I don't think CDPR ever put the numbers for Witcher yeah. on Switch out. But I don't think it's without. I don't think it's with. I don't think anybody's going yeah, to debate I don't think that. Like, yeah, I don't clearly, think- The Witcher Three is best played on any other platform besides Nintendo Switch. Correct. I mean, if you were looking for performance and how the game is going to look and feel its best, like you can absolutely play it on Switch, and it, it, it's probably fine. We tried it out. I mean, I tried it out, and it played just fine. But if I'm going to choose to play The Witcher Three, I'm not going to play it on Switch for my primary experience. And I think that that is something that has plagued the Nintendo Switch since its inception. And I say plagued with the biggest air quotes because clearly it's not hurting the Nintendo <laughs> oh, Switch at all, correct. right? Because when you buy a Nintendo Switch, you don't buy it to play Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, Apex Legends, right? You buy it to play Breath of the Wild, Mario Super Kart. Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, right? That's why you get a Switch. And I think that those numbers are important because both Xbox and PlayStation have these giant lines in their annual earnings that come from online sales in relationship to games as a live service and how many hundreds of millions of dollars games like FIFA pump into those online infrastructures because of their multiplayer interfaces that Nintendo is just not competing with. They're leaving all of that money on the table because they're not innovating their online platform. So yes, I absolutely am championing everything Nintendo is celebrating this week. We love Nintendo here at What's Good Games. That is without question. Obviously, like I mentioned, I have a fucking whole (laughs) streaming show dedicated to Animal Crossing now. But like, I think it's also important to remember that like the reason why those attach rates are so high is from a variety of factors. That's my point. Yes. Cien por ciento. Sorry, Sam, did you forget where you're going? Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's I, I, I thought I probably fucked you up. I mean, like, I think in general, Nintendo is an interesting factor in this industry always because they are just so adamant and, and it really not competing. They are not. And they've said this before, right? Like, they're like, yeah, Xbox and Sony are there, but we're cool like over here doing what we want to do and like part of me is like that's admirable and part of me is frustrated because i want to at least have them try a little bit and not to say that they need to compete with those two other platforms because again i think they're just doing drastically different things but to give to 
to then go say, you know what? Okay, then why don't you guys reimagine what something like this looks like for you and your audience? Because I guarantee you, you cannot be happy with the, <laughs> the duct tape and spit like architecture you've got going oh, on right Lordy. now right like we, yeah people who work at nintendo have a lot of pride in their work they they put out games that are very well polished that are usually thought of as some of the best games of those years when they do come out so i just i find it interesting then that they are so lackluster in this other element and have so far really never hit any sort of quality bar with it and have also never really talked about whether or not they're okay with it, right? Like, there's mm. never really been... Mm. There's never been any messaging from the leadership at Nintendo about wanting to innovate, particularly in the online space. I think what we really saw Nintendo take a risk at in diversifying their business is in mobile, and clearly that fell on its face, right? Like, they tried it, and they absolutely sold and had millions of people download some of their games, but they didn't quite hit the mobile gaming successes. I think that they were hoping to achieve and they are now looking at that going, how can we either improve what we were doing in our mobile business or how can we maybe pivot and change that investment we were putting into mobile and put it into something else instead. And I just look at what they're doing with their Nintendo online app and that subscription and go, you could be doing so much more at a bare minimum, be matching what PlayStation and Xbox were doing in the 360 and PS3 era. You know, we're still behind there. And now we're, you know, more than a decade later about to enter the new generation of those consoles. And I don't think it's unreasonable for players in the year 2020 to ask for, you know, more investment in online play. No, it's not unreasonable, but it just comes back to that thing is Nintendo's going to Nintendo. And as we're seeing, even with how archaic things are, they're still doing incredibly well. And it's an interest. I'm, I'm still like pondering that that question you posed. Is like, could they become the next PlayStation? And I'm trying to think like, when was the last major IP that new IP that Nintendo launched? And I think what we're seeing is Splatoon. Does that even yeah. count? What about wait? Was it hands, arms? What was the arms? arms? Well, I feel like Splatoon was bigger was bigger than arms. Oh yeah, no for sure. But I can't remember which one. Like arms, arms was the last one. That's correct. Yes. Splatoon was first. Yeah, before. And so when you look at these Mario Kart, Animal Crossing, Smash Brothers, Zelda, Pokemon, <laughs> more Mario. Like they don't need to innovate. Clearly, I mean and that's just the reality of it. I think the talent is there, and I think we've all remembered those days of old of Nintendo Magic, where they would come out with that cool new thing on Nintendo 64, Super Nintendo, hell, even on GameCube with, like, Luigi's Mansion, right? And it was that thing of, cool, like, what, that magic. But now they've seen what works, they've seen what they can get away with, and we just keep tossing money their way because the games they make are great. And there's we're nostalgic yeah. in there. Also still quality stuff. Like, it, it, like, that's it. Passing off garbage. Oh, right? no, like, no, that's it. The games they're making yeah. are I mean, all of these games. I mean, Mario Kart is, like, not my cup of tea. It's fun once in a while, but, like, that game's just going to sell billions. Yeah, that's no like a you get drunk and play. Right. But, yeah, yeah. if you look at the online infrastructure. A lot infrastructure, of green, right? Yeah, the online yeah. infrastructure of Animal Crossing. Not great. And I know the gameplay itself is you solid. going to Dodo Island. <laughs> and then you look at Go. Smash, the same issue there, but they're online as well. Breath of the Wild, like, a lot of really cool innovative things. I can't really knock. It's just not my cup of tea. But even Pokemon Sword and Shield. It, so... It's that slow trend of, I think, eventually we're going to get to a place where they're going to continue to improve their original IP, but why would they go out of their way to take a risk on a brand new IP when they're making numbers like this? And that's just the reality of it, which sucks. I I actually do wonder if, if it's a worrisome spot. Obviously, yes, they're doing very well financially, but actually, if you think about it, 
they are one of the few people in the industry that doesn't really have competition. Um, all of their competition died out a long time ago, right? Like Sega. <laughs> like they, like all, everybody else like left in the dirt. Xbox and Sony are doing much different, bigger things. And Nintendo was really the last standing from that era. And so I wonder, like, if they don't feel like they have competition, it worries me a little. Yeah. In the sense that usually competition breeds innovation. Right. Right. So if you aren't feeling that pressure in some way, obviously, hopefully it's not crippling in any way, in any sense, then what are you, what are you doing? And the answer is exactly what you said, Brittany, which is like, you're giving us things we do like, and you're doing them well. And there's nothing technically wrong with that. But how does this work long term? And the answer might be, well, honestly, it's fine because (laughs) those people will have kids and they'll tell them of their kids about that. And then they'll just buy it for that. And it's fine. That's the same thing because those kids don't know any better. Like, but (laughs) it's like, maybe they'll get away with that cyclical life cycle. But I just, I, I wonder, I wonder about it and the longevity of all of it. And I think that's part when you're like, they're sitting on this port of cash. I'm like, I feel like Nintendo is just sitting there waiting for a rainy day because maybe they're fearful of it happening at After some point. the Wii U disaster selling 13 million units. Oh, God, I forgot the Wii U even existed. <laughs> Which is why they're Not bringing games lie. like Pikmin over. Let's take over your whole library over and put it on the Switch. People will actually play it that way. Uh, I'm yeah, glad but- you mentioned Pikmin, though. We kind of like glossed over that the Pikmin 3 Deluxe Edition was announced this week. And we don't really need to go into all the details. Essentially, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's Pikmin 3 shinier with co-op newer, better on nintendo switch yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah those are my thoughts on nintendo yeah <laughs> nintendo is it, nintendo good to nintendo we and really that's like just them. it yeah oh but yeah I love they them. might they might want to consider doing something new <laughs> i would love to see them i would love to see them have that innovation and magic that we saw from them in the 90s and what really made them the powerhouse that they are today and say, you know what? We've been resting on our laurels a little bit, doing more of the same, but doing it very well. But, you know, if we want to really take the next step into the next generation of where, you know, interconnectivity in digital media is going, like we have to, we have to do more. I mean, I love their, their, their innovation, at least this generation obviously came just with the with the platform itself right? right the switch itself is the most innovative thing nintendo has done as of late um and yeah and what the great. nintendo lava wasn't wasn't doing it for anybody here's the thing i actually really do appreciate that nintendo's like fuck it we're gonna do <laughs> take <this> cardboard <laughs> we're i don't <laughs> what the- I literally had to Google Nintendo Cardboard to remember what Lava was called. called. (laughs) Samer, I think Uh, that's a good point to bring up because I can see the comments now. Like, I feel like, yeah, Nintendo has been incredibly innovative with their hardware. We're just talking software. Yeah, I think software and then online infrastructure, those two key elements. And like, and maybe they don't need to get super crazy with some of their more traditional uh, IP. But I mean... I, I don't know what else can Mario do at this point. He's done almost every job in the universe. Think of something else. Ooh, Mario! What, what no more plumbing. Leave Peach alone. Mario she clearly doesn't want you. She doesn't want her pipes Mario to be clean. Find Mario a new lover because Peach surely is not interested. I poor guy. Think of he's so badly friendzoned. I don't even think he even knows it. He but, doesn't. Did you see doesn't. the end of Odyssey? Clearly, he's like 
he's daft. He he's just doesn't denial. get it. He just does not get it. Super Mario RPG, but that was on Super Nintendo. So clearly they've had some issues. But no, it's, it's been a while. It's the same it thing. And I think been. that's why like, I honestly haven't played a Mario game in a long time that I've loved. And I've really, that's really clicked with me. I put down Origami King. I couldn't really get into Odyssey. And last, I don't remember the last time I finished a Mario game. I really Galaxy? don't. Galaxy? No, I didn't even finish Galaxy because I hated the oh, motion. No. I hated Galaxy the motion Galaxy controls. Galaxy 2 were so good. Oh, Those motion controls oh, can go die in a fire. But no, it's like the thing of like, yeah, I've played this before. Wait, I lied. The last Mario game I finished was Super Mario 3D World because I really liked that because I thought that was very simple and kind of goes back to like, you know, games of old the days school. of old. Days yeah. of old and it was co-op and it was fun, but I'm kind of sick so of it. So in that sense, you're actually saying you don't want them to innovate even more. You're like, wait, no, go back to what you really did originally. Here's the thing. Just make Super Mario World... <laughs> Put some shiny graphics on it, and for the love of God, make another, like, true blue Mario RPG game. Origami King is not it, but I digress. That's a conversation oh, for the next segment. Oh, we're going to be talking more about that in just a little <sighs> bit, but for now, we're going to move on to our next story. PlayStation had another state of play this week, and if you missed it, Brittany and I did a live react at twitch.tv slash what's good games. If you'd like to watch the VOD of that, it is up for you to enjoy. And we've got a little bit of a recap, so I don't want to delve too much into every single thing that was announced. Uh, because there is quite a few uh, quite a few games that were released. But if you we, want to, you can probably just go to the PlayStation blog and look at literally everything they announced. <laughs> yeah. That's, Steimer, that is a great point. But some of the highlights, we got to see a little bit of gameplay from Braid Anniversary Edition, which is coming early next year in 2021. I think Braid is... There's more l- Braid coming? <laughs> it's the same Braid, but fancier. More pixels. But it already looked nice. It was, it's a painterly art style. But Steimer, now there are nine pixels where every one pixel was before oh my goodness so it just looks really crisp i guess all right well we're also talking the they also talked about braid 2 to be clear so it's not just braid anniversary but they talked about braid 2 i really liked braid and so they showed uh some gameplay and talked about adding in more multiplayer elements and it was really nice i think braid was one of those games that you either played and you loved or you completely missed it and it's a roguelike metroidvania that's long touted as one of the standout roguelikes that really kind of kicked off this resurgence of roguelike and rogue light games that we're now seeing particularly in the indie community um we also saw quite a bit of gameplay from the path list which is from giant squid and it's interesting because when we were streaming Brittany and i were like this kind of reminds us a little bit of the flow of journey and then i learned that matt nava who was the art director at that game company the studio behind journey is now the creative director at giant squid so i was like oh it all makes sense uh-huh. it all makes mm-hmm. sense now this game looks really chill and peaceful so the idea is that you are an archer and there are these talismans that are kind of floating around this open world and it's all about shooting them with your bow and you have a pet owl Simer. thought you'd like to know that <gasps> what is the pet owl no owl, eagle eagle I- oh it is an eagle. It is yes. an eagle. And it's more about timing rather than accuracy. So what you do is you shoot these talismans. It it fills up your dash meter and you kind of smoothly like glide through this world, shooting them as you go to keep that dash going. And you can use your pet eagle to platform and you got to pet the eagle in case it gets dirty and blah, blah, blah. It just looks kind of chill and relaxing. It doesn't look like my cup of tea necessarily, uh, but it sounds like it's mostly you just exploring, shining light by climbing like these big, oh, I don't know, like towers. 
And when you do that, you can take down these big, bad enemies that are described as giant cursed spirits that will try to separate you from your eagle. Can't have that, ladies and gentlemen. So you have Wait, to set an eagle or an owl. It's an eagle. It's an eagle. It's an eagle. Okay. I, yeah, I was wrong. It's an eagle. And you have to return light to the land before you can take them on. And it sounds like it's just kind of exploration. There's no map, but there is something called spirit vision. And it allows you to see um, landmarks in the distance. So you know where you're going, but you can't really like. Look and I was map. very upset. I was like, why? Why can't we just always have a map? Just give me a map. Don't make me don't make me work it out. Yeah. So on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games, ladies and gentlemen, we're playing some B-roll. And right now we're just seeing the archer kind of flow through the map. They're gliding. They're shooting the talismans. The eagle's flying along. They're having a good old time. It's a pretty landscape. And again, it looks more like a tranquil game than anything. Maybe. Unless, like, you get killed by those cursed dark beings. I mean, I'm sure you can die in it. Probably. You can that die in a lot right. of games. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the other big games that I did not write down, actually the game that they opened the show with. Crash. Um, sorry. Uh, audio that coming is, through there. Um, is a Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. I don't know if anybody is interested in Crash Bandicoot. No, anybody? I mean, anybody? I'm never. I was never that great at it, so it's not something that blows my skirt up. But I know that people get very excited about banjo, or not banjo. Oh wow, <laughs> oh, that was a slip of the tongue. Oh snap! What you got in the mind, baby on, girl? On a banjo the, back in the day, so that's where my brain goes. <laughs> I was watching this though, and I thought it, for some reason it looks like it's going to scratch an itch. It just looks like fun platforming. Granted. It does look a little uh, complicated in certain areas. It does look like it could be a little rage-inducing. I mean, that's Crash Bandicoot, though, right? <laughs> uh, I, I haven't played, honestly, any Crash besides the old PlayStation 1 demo discs you get back in the day, where you just get that one level. That was, like, my experience with Crash. Because generally, just platforms like this, unless it was Mario. Not usually my thing, but I was watching this. I said, that looks kind of fun. I might yeah. do that. And plus, you get to play as Coco, and I remember Coco. Yeah, I did think it was interesting that they just said that they were going to give Coco a bigger role in the story this time around. They're like, you know, we wanted to make sure that she kind of got her time in the sun. And I was like, well, that's great. But like this style of platformer is just something that I've never really been drawn to. And Crash as an IP is also something that I'm just like, because I was never an original PlayStation player. Like I had a PS2, but the games I played on my PS2 were like, Silent Hill, GTA Vice City, and then Frequency and Amplitude. Those were like the the big ones. I mean, I have a couple other games too, but like I was pretty much just playing Frequency and Amplitude the whole time mm. when I wasn't like tooling around in Vice City. Mm. So like for me, Crash was just never a thing I played. It's fair. Yeah. So basically we don't yeah. have a lot of insight for Crash. No. Nope. No. No, we don't. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> don't be upset that we don't have insight about Crash. Genshin Impact was a game that came up that we saw. So when this was being shown, I was like, this looks like my cup of tea. It is being described on Twitter as Breath of the Waifu. Because it looks, it has that same color palette and landscape as Breath of the Wild does. In fact, Breath of the Wild is one of the inspirations for this game. Apparently, Grand Theft Auto is as well. Which kind of... When you see this game, it looks all peaceful and anime-like, and then you think, where is the Grand Theft Auto? But I don't know. So this is an upcoming open-world action role-playing game developed by MiHoYo. I hope I said that right. 
And it was announced at China Joy 2019 that it's going to be published for PlayStation 4. And then this year in January, it's also coming to Nintendo Switch. So this is from the Wikipedia page. The game features an open world map, which the player explores by walking, climbing, swimming, and gliding as necessary. Players can control up to four of their characters at any time, and by completing quests to advance the story, you can unlock a total of 30 playable characters. It's also a multiplayer video game, and it was originally announced for PC and iOS, actually, which is interesting. But if you look at it, yeah. it's gorgeous. I mean, hello. <laughs> I would like you. I, I like all of these lady characters that we're seeing on screen. Give me a sword and slash them up. There's clearly an influence from Breath of the Wild, as we mentioned. You even saw one of these characters like climbing up the side of the, the cliff there. Don't very, rain. Very uh, Breath of the Wild. And so uh, I'm curious to see kind of how that all comes together with, you know, some of the more traditional JRPG mechanics and tropes that we see. Because Breath of the Wild really kind of broke the mold in a lot of ways for open world role-playing games, specifically JRPGs. And so I would really like to see how they're going to kind of blend some of this, you know, obviously anime roots and, you know, kind of taking some more open world games like gta and saying how do we how do we make that make it that a thing that happens so i'm into it yeah um we also saw more from bug snacks i think before we talk about bug snacks i want to mention quickly aeon must die which i don't think looked particularly interesting to any of us but after the trailer which was right after this last game we just talked genshin impact there was a whole bunch of hubbub on twitter about how all Aeon Must Die devs quit the studio this week due to crunch and lack of payments, and the trailer was outsourced to artists without contracts. So if you were to look this up right now, it's like it looks real ugly and looks real nasty. And the devs were making statements beforehand saying that uh, one of the planned announcements is Aeon Must Die, a game created by people who in June of 2020 were forced to leave their former studio, Limestone Games, along with its founder and creative director. The reasons were unbearable work conditions with endless crunch, harassment, abuse, corruption, and manipulation. When the team acquired an attorney to figure out the truth behind all the conflicting information and pressure, it was also discovered that the company and the entire IP was covertly taken from the founder. Multiple attempts at establishing dialogue and remedying the situation internally were shut down by the management and majority shareholders and there is a dropbox folder where all of like the evidence for this stuff is listed and you can find it if you go on twitter right now but i just thought that was really interesting because a lot of folks thought it looked like a good game but it sounds like everyone just quit this week <laughs> but apparently that trailer was locked and loaded in uh, the state of play and it got shown regardless so what's interesting about this story is that it really broke right as the state of play ended. And as of the time of us shooting the podcast, we do not have any details on specifics on if any of these allegations are true. We don't have any details uh, or statements from people, you know, that are public. They are only tied to this one Dropbox account. And I mean, I think that, you know, there are going to be people who are more proficient at investigative journalism than we are here at Westgate Games that are going to look into this. But I am personally going to refrain from making any comments about this because I don't know enough about any of the details outside of that single tweet that we saw. So I know they tagged Jason Schreier, writer for Bloomberg and formerly of Kotaku, who is known for his investigative work in the industry if he is interested, I'm sure he will dig into this and we'll have a full report at oh, some I'm point sure. in the future. I'm sure we will. But like, yo, regardless, like that's a bad look. It's a bad look. Yeah, bad luck. And 
And traditionally, from what I've heard from developers who have worked with Sony, that's not the treatment that they've gotten. And I don't think this is a Sony thing. I think this is a publisher thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm getting so, from it, too. As well. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from yeah. it, too. So, anywho. I, yeah. That's it. But, like, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned it because if we didn't, people definitely in the comments would be like, um, excuse me, push those glasses up. You didn't mention anything. Yeah, we, we saw we saw the tweets, but there's just not enough information at the time of us recording the podcast for us to fully comment. So if something of note happens and develops, we will, of course, keep you informed. Bug snacks. Bug snacks. But, like, instead, what if we talk about bug snacks? Oh, yes. Talk I about like, bug snacks. Talk about like C. Columbia Clumbernut. Yes. So we got a little bit of a longer look at what's happening with bug snacks and um, what i think is really interesting about this game is that it's just it's just kind of like whimsical and fun and and clearly you know they're just having a good time with it and it's just it's gonna be dumb but i'm here for it (laughs) i'm here for it too i don't know how much about the story we knew before this but what you can kind of piece together from this trailer is that you are a journalist and you work for, it looks like a newspaper company. And your boss is C. Clumby Clumbernuts. And they start off with saying, you're not really chasing this bug snack story, are you? Because Elizabeth Megafig is a two-bit con artist. And I think that's the person we see with, like, the onion Mega ring arm. Fig. Yeah. And it sounds like, yeah, you're just going to this island of Snacksburg or this town of Snacksburg to look for bug snacks and to validate the story. And if so, you supposedly are going to write a report about it, which I think is cute. But this game kind of still disturbs me on multiple levels. But that's yeah. okay. I mean, I think that's the point. I think that's the point. Yeah, there's a strawberry like that a really you catch. Um, fucked up version of Pokemon Snap. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's actually a really good way of putting it. It's a fucked up version of Pokemon Snap. That is Bug Snacks. There's a hamburger with curly fries as feet, and you lure it into a pen Ooh. with ketchup. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. What about, what about like a milkshake on the side? We got. We got that. We got the. Oh yeah. That, the fries. The, the, oh, the milkshake's like oh, the I last know what resort. You're doing there. But, yeah, that's like the last resort. You know, you throw that at the last minute, and mm. then there's a snake carrot thing called Rudel, and the person's like, "Yo, find me mm. my favorite food, and then feed it to me." And then it cuts to Rudel. So I think poor little Rudel is going to be eaten. But, yeah, he's probably going to get it. Yeah, probably. But Bucks never, never going to get it. <laughs> Okay, wait, no. We cannot say no, any not more this than that. Time. No, shoot. Content ID. Content <laughs> oh, yeah, ID. We're right. so good. Content ID news. <laughs> they also showed quite a few other things, but I want to try to like speed through this because there was a lot. Hitman 3, we got a look at the PSVR version of Hitman. The, uh, we already talked about the Pathless. Uh, there's also um, Anno... I always say the name of that word wrong. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me look it up. Hold on. How do you say that? Mutationum? Mutationum. Mutationum? Yeah, yeah I guess. Um, that's <laughs> like this word, cyberpunk so. indie game that's coming. And then we got another look at Star Wars Vader Immortal, which is happening on August 25th, 2020. Clearly, this game has been talked about for quite a while now, but now we have a release date. And if you want to slashy slash with lightsabers, you can do it at the end of the month. Um, we did get a look at the upcoming expansion for control so this is the second expansion from remedy and 505 so clearly you know people wanted more control control was you know game of the year for some people last year and it is making more content and so at the end of course you know we get the stinger that we all knew was coming about the one and only alan wake yep you get to learn about the mysterious disappearance of alan wake and that's all we know for now 
I still need to, I haven't finished Control yet. I wish I could get all excited about this, but it means nothing to me at this point in my life. But did. Wait. What? What? Wait, the control expansion is about Alan Wake. Jesse's <laughs> heading even deeper into the oldest house to learn more about those absolutely insane altered world events. Plague in the Bureau. And yes, before you ask, you will learn more about the mysterious disappearance of Alan Wake. Now, we know that That's so bizarre it takes place. They announced this on a state of play. Like Alan Wake is an Xbox <laughs> exclusive. It, it, uh, yeah <laughs> well, this was, 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 i'm sorry i just am i okay apparently i'm the only one that thinks that this is weird so no let's it, roll on it was, it was just so long ago that i think i i don't know i i guess i just don't look at it as like a thing anymore that's true I, that's I'm fair so surprised just like oh okay alan's back but he's back for everybody which is fine yeah that was on the 360 right yeah yeah oh, wow mm-hmm. yeah, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a new game that we saw that I thought looked exciting that I was pretty like interested in, even though I feel like it didn't really tell us what this game was and we couldn't really decide if this was going to be, you know, if this was just CG or if this was actually what gameplay was going to look like is called Hood, Hood. Outlaws and Legends from Sumo and from, was this also 505? Focus Home Interactive. Focus Home. So I looked okay. on the PlayStation blog. And this is a 4v4 multiplayer heist game where teams outwit AI guards to steal the treasure. You will assemble a team of outlaws as you attempt to steal treasures from an oppressive government known as the state and a dark and gritty reimagining of the Robin Hood legend. This is a PvPVE game that pits two four-player teams against each other as they attempt the same daring heist in environments populated with enemy AI guards. Using the unique and varied play styles of each outlaw will be the key to your success. Some are specialized in ranged combat, while others are far more deadly up close in melee brawl. It's entirely up to you how to configure and combine your skills. Okay, this actually looks pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at all I that. think it looks cool. I'm into it. And I love Robin Hood. I love the whole, like, era of Robin Hood. And I'm interested how they're going to implement PvPVE. Yeah, I think what yeah. it sounds like what I got from it was you're going to have two teams who are going after the same treasure. Fighting the same treasure. Fighting the same treasure. And they did say they're not talking about the specifics of how that's going to work yet. But there are going to be a lot of elements that you can use to either obviously help your team or hinder the opposing team. So it sounds like it's going to be yeah, the players. It's Rainbow Six Robin Hood. There you go. Thank you, Simon. I couldn't have said any better. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well but not. But not. <laughs> I, mean, I know it's not yes. really, but I'm just saying, if you need to wrap your head around something a little bit. Eh. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I'll allow it. Yeah. Um, so that was a game that I thought was really interesting and clearly a game that was new that we hadn't really seen. Yeah. Um, we did get a release date for Auto Chess. Woo! Um, it's coming on October 31st for PS4. We got to look at another game that I had never seen before that I thought looked cool called The Pedestrian. Ah, yes. Is it spooky? Because it sounds spooky. It was not. It's actually look like this. Neat, oh, this, that's not spooky at all. No, it's a neat little indie <laughs> game that's like a side scrolling puzzle game. Yeah. Oh, where, this looks really cool. Yeah. And so you essentially, like, what you see here on, uh, if you guys are watching at youtube.com slash what's good games, is that you connect these pieces to try to make a path for your little stick figure character this to get through something from a really long time ago and i cannot remember what it was hmm. yeah, you're controlling yeah, like the little avatar that you see on a bathroom door <laughs> like the little yeah, yeah the little dude or the, the universal the universal icon for a human being yep yes stick person stick person with a dress although i say it's a cape but what do i know 
Do they have a dress? They don't have anything. The, the, they, one of them had a dress. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see. Like the skirt. It's been out on Steam. Mm. Oh. So now that I've Googled it, I know more. Boom. There it is. <laughs> the power of Google. It has an overwhelmingly positive review on Steam. I feel like this is something I would want on my Switch for sure. Huh? A nice little puzzle platformer. It's like. Yeah. Same. See? That's what's great on Switch. Indies, everybody. Indies. So, Steimer, I'm going to read you a description of a game, and you let me know what it sounds like to you, okay? Okay. Okay. Every kid, this comes from its official Steam page, every kid dreams about becoming a Temtem Tamer, exploring the six islands, discovering new species, and making good friends along the way. Now it's your turn to embark on an epic adventure and make those dreams come true. Catch new Temtem and Omnesia's Pokemon. F- floating islands. <laughs> battle, uh, battle other Tamers on the sandy beaches of Denise, or trade with your friends in Tukma's ash-covered fields. Defeat the Pokemon. Defeat- oh my god, that looks... <laughs> Defeat the ever-annoying clan Belsoto and end its plot to rule over the land. Beat all eight dojo leaders and become the ultimate Temtem Tamer. It's a massively multiplayer creature collection adventure. Seek adventure alongside your Temtem squad. Catch every Temtem, battle other Tamers, customize your house, join a friend's (laughs) adventure, or explore the dynamic online world. How is this legal? I don't know. So this is currently on Steam in early access. You can buy it for $37.49. It has over 20,000 reviews, and it's very positive. And that I have, was a fire monkey that looked almost exactly even like Even the graphics Pokemon. look like Pokemon, I have to say. It kind of looks like yeah, it's, Pokemon. It's a little bit blockier, but yeah. More like my time at Porsche is how I would explain that. But... Yeah, so this has been out on Steam for some time, and I've had my eye on it, and I've been really interested in it, but it is in early access, so I like to you know let them work oh, out yeah. the bugs. But, oh yeah, this is coming to PS5, and I am so here for it. So reading a little bit more about it, yeah, you can journey across six vivid islands and embark on the adventure of becoming a tamer. There's the but online... The safari zone? I know, right? Where's the fo- Where can get my, my Kangas? My Kangas gone. Yeah, yeah right? Kangas gone. <laughs> and the co-op looks really fun. You can buy your own house and decorate it your own way. Buy new furniture, color your walls. You Wait, get- so it's like Animal Crossing and Pokemon. That's like, yeah, that's kind of like what I'm getting, man. New Maybe events. that's why they're not getting sued. New missions. Yeah, and you can Maybe. customize your avatar. I don't know. I'm here for this game. I'm really excited. I will wait until it hits PS5. I know sometimes there's discrepancy, obviously, between what the game is on Steam and the console. Sometimes the Steam version gets updates first, but I don't fucking care. I want to become a Temtem Tramer. Tramer. Tamer. <laughs> that too. I had, to, I had to look up because there was another big Pokemon knockoff that I just couldn't think of the name of it, and it's Yokai Watch. Oh yeah, like, there was another big game that I was like the the marketing also looked just so much like Pokemon. It's it's, it's Yokai Watch, but yeah, no Temtem is just clearly just another another knockoff of Pokemon. I had to I list- just, like like their press release sounds exactly like it, which is hilarious to me. Yeah. The art, I feel like the art, and I mean definitely parts of the game look like it when you when it was showing your character and how you could dress them. I mean that felt very much like what you can you can do now in in Pokemon, yeah. but. I also think that's not the world's most unique aspect of a video game. Uh, but I also say, uh, seeing those creature designs, I was kind of like, this is kind of the uggo version of Yeah, Pokemon. they're not super are- exciting. They're no trash bags or ice cream Pokemon. Like, let's just put Correct. it that way. Yeah, no yeah, Sandcastle. Yeah. It's a Sandcastle yeah. Pokemon. I, I'm missing, I, missing my ice cream cone. I know. Pokemon. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm, I'm never going to get my Pokemon MMO. Let's be real. As we just talked about, Nintendo doesn't need to create one more. Rather, Game Freak doesn't need to. And before we get the hate... Nintendo and Game Freak, they work very close together. So don't say, Game Freak, no, no friends. 
Don't even, don't at me. You know who you are. There's certainly a lot of people who are quick to rush into the mentions about Nintendo's involvement or lack thereof or lack of lack thereof in the Pokemon franchise. Anywho, I want to wrap up this segment on the PlayStation State of Play with talking about what they ended with, which I thought looked very interesting, but apparently the internet is divided on. Really? And that is Godfall. Hmm. Yeah, just one more time. Let me just yeah, let me What's just mute that. Feeling? Let me just mute that. Um, so Godfall is a game that was announced at the Game Awards last year. We've seen it a couple of times so far this year, and up until this recent gameplay that was shown in the state of play, I was still a little bit confused about what the heck Godfall was. But now I feel like I have a much clearer idea, at least about what the combat is going to look like. So we got this deep dive into the combat overview. From the team that is making it, of course, Gearbox is, I believe, publishing the game. And so it's called a looter slasher. And they said it has robust loot progression. And Brittany and I decided to dub it a slooter. Yeah, it was between looter and slooter. But I like slooter because it sounds like a dirty, dirty name. better. Yeah. It does. It has online co-op for up to three people. It's in a high fantasy universe with knights, magic, elemental realms. So there's an earth, water, air, and fire realm. Um, All loot and gear are unlocked through gameplay. So everything in the game is there at launch. There will be no microtransactions. They were very clear about that that everything that you can see you earn by unlocking it now listen i oh no oh no steimer okay hold on steimer has just passed me her phone with the urban dictionary definition of sluter oh shit Brittany, what do you think sluter means i'm gonna say it has something to do with bodily fluids inside of a vagina I mean, sort of. A very loose interpretation. Okay. So according to the Urban Dictionary, a sluter is the most extreme form of a slut. Sluters can be found in clubs around the world or even in your local beaches. Sluters will do anything and everything to get into your pants. So beware of sluters. <laughs> Used in a sentence. Man, that girl was such a sluter at the club. Oh, no. I mean... You know what? Let's take the power back from the sex shaming of Sluter. And now Sluter is now known as a looter shooter, looter slasher. Yes. What the this fuck? This was yes. added in 2004. So you know, I, I kind of wondered oh why. Oh my gosh, 2004? Yes. Holy Boy, man. Some people in the chat were saying, oh no, when we were saying Sluter. I thought it was just because of the name, but maybe, you know, there's some hip and cooler maybe kids out there. Maybe they all knew. They were like, we're, the old, we're taking Sluter back, everybody. We're taking, we're taking Sluter it back. back. <laughs> All right, back to the game. So uh, we're talking about Godfall. It's coming this holiday, 2020, and they showed us a nice deep dive into the weapon classes. So there'll be five weapon classes. Longsword, the dual blade, the pole arm, the two-handed warhammer, and the two-handed greatsword. Very typical hack and slash classes they say that there's going to be a parry system that you're always going to have your shield with you combat is intended to be fluid dynamic and embracing offense over defense and so essentially it's like they want you to get in there and have fun (laughs) and not you know take your time so i feel like that's (laughs) going to be a very key differentiator between this type of a slasher versus like a demon souls right or a sekiro because whenever you see a game with blades i feel like people are so quick to compare it to a souls game when in reality there's so many more other types of games in the combat genre that use blades that 
are probably a bet much better comparison. So when I saw this, the first thing I told Brittany was like, oh, kind of reminds me a little bit of the vibe of Monster Hunter, but without the monster hunting aspect of it. But like the the classes, the loot progression, the style of combat just felt kind of rang Monster Hunter to me. And I think the high fantasy element of it also leans into that a little bit. As somebody who whose Xbox would not allow her to play Monster Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. When I, when I first walked in and I, I caught this tail end, um, I went, at first was like, oh, this looks like Destiny, just visually, yeah. obviously, not the combat. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. It's pretty. And then I saw them start to dive into the weapons. And when they were going through and being like, here's what this sword does, or here's how you can battle this way, I was like, oh, for whatever reason, I was like, this reminds me of an MMO and like that's what I was kind of really attracted to is mm-hmm. ooh I can sit there and play with the weapon type obviously MMOs are not the only genre of game to do this but that was what what I felt as a gamer because that was what I could relate to it was like ooh it's like MMO style the way they're breaking down what each of these weapon styles do and like how you can really mess around with them and play with them um, and how it'll really make a difference when you're playing so that was what I thought looked super neat I think this combat looks great like yeah. I just think it looks fun and as you mentioned it's much more fast paced than something where you need to be much more precise or you're going <laughs> to get knocked out and all your stuff will go away, which again, is some people's cup of tea is not mine. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. See now it goes into the weapon classes. And yeah. No, yeah, and I, talk I, dirty to me. It looks I think, so yeah, the, what I was really confused about when I was looking at some of the reactions online was that there was a lot of people dragging this game for its visual style. Huh? Saying that it looked like a PS2 or a PS3 game. What the game. fuck I, is wrong with people? Lord, have mercy on my soul. If I hear one more person out there, this looks like a Lost Generation game. It's like, shut up. God dang. The it's only not a- recent next-gen game that looked like a last-gen game to me is honestly Halo. And I love, sorry, Halo. But that was the only one where I saw it, and I was like, this doesn't look next-gen. But that's yeah, the only uh, thing people can freaking talk about. Is how, uh, Whatever, it's fine. I get it's an important factor, but it's but not look, the look, only look. thing. Sometimes when the, you hit the enemies, they dissolve into ash. And I'm like, this is just particle effects-wise. Not a thing that could happen on the PS2. On yes, the thank like- you. Thank you. I feel like gamers have become so spoiled. I mean, and myself included, I think our bar is set so unbelievably high for what we're looking for that when we see a game like this that looks great, we go, it's not good enough. And then they went out of their way at the top of this demo to say, this is a work in progress. The game is not finished please don't judge us on the final product based off this demo and i think that it's unreasonable that developers have to bend over backwards to communicate that message it should be clear that this is not the final product right and like i think that the real problem is that we've had some bad actors in the past that have marketed things too early sometimes years in advance and then the final product is quite different than what it was marketed as and they were pushing pre-orders on that piece of marketing yeah and that's really where the trouble comes in right these games are paying for the sins of their fathers (laughs) literally (laughs) yes or potentially for a publisher that's completely unrelated to them yes okay so we have it very loosely (laughs) i want to bring this up because it fits into this conversation patreon.com slash what's good games one of the perks is that every wednesday i ask for questions and you can submit them if you're a patron so luke laura says i think playstation is doing a better job of late managing expectations of their shows perhaps learning from the others that doesn't always mean people get what they want but i'd argue all three first party are getting better with communication during covid what's your take i think regarding these state of plays and these xbox 2020s or whatever you're gonna call them 
like you both were just saying, you can bend over backwards, you can set all of the right expectations, but people are still not going to be um, uh, happy. You know, you can say all the right things. And I think in this case, mm-hmm. Sony did set the expectations properly. I think there are people like me who like to get really hyped because it's fun and it's always fun to kind of feel like, you know, Christmas is just around the corner. It's just tomorrow. But you have to be self-aware when that happens and be like, okay, like real talk yourself. I'm really hoping for Resident Evil Village stuff. Is it fun to talk about it? Did I get it? I did not. Am I going to go on Twitter and blast everyone and say how shitty the presentation was? No. So I think it's just that thing of like, no matter what expectations you set, you're still going to get people who don't see the tweet. You're going to get people who don't pay attention and then they're going to get mad anyway. And it just sucks because I thought the game looked great, but apparently it's all about the like graphics. The, the only thing I don't like about this game is the name. Godfall? Godfall? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know why. Really? There's just something about it that feels generic as fuck to me. And so that's that's the only part where I'm like, eh. Huh. I feel like you could make that a little bit maybe snazzier, more interesting, but the hmm. game itself looked cool and I really appreciated it a lot. But <coughs> even that last one they were showing dual blades and the, the Long sword of that character, I was like, Yes. Yeah, the combat looks really good. This and this looks to me. right in my alley, especially since it features co op and it looks super medieval high fantasy. I just want to know more like what this game is. Like what do you do? And it would be so cool um, once you they kill s- things and you level up and you get better gear and you progressively just look like every Fucking other cool. game, but is it a dungeon crawler? Is it like, what do you do? Thanks, Simer. Thanks for that explanation. <laughs> I Especially mean, every other game. Can you, can you imagine like if Steimer's a mage, right? And I'm a melee. Can you imagine like her casting her like bright fireballs of death and destruction? And then I'm like whacking a bitch. And then Andrea's off with her arrow shooting shit. Like I'm so excited it to see be- the other classes. I, I, yeah, I actually would think I would be, I think it would be good of them to talk about like combos and if there's that. Like, so <sighs> when you were talking about that, that reminded me of Guild Wars and the system that they have where if I am a mage or whatever, I can lay down a fire field. Other classes have different abilities that they can put into the fire field to give different boofs and boofs. <laughs> <laughs> Boosts. I mean, <laughs> you could make that a weaponized and buffs thing. Is what I was going for, and I combined them into one word. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, so like stuff like that would be really cool because it would just add another element to the level of gameplay that a lot of regular hack and slash games don't necessarily have. Mm. They are literally just walk into a room, kill everything there. Cool. Did it. Pick up the loot. Walk into another room. Kill everything there. Rinse, repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Final question from Delilah Lugo. Judging from the Godfall gameplay, you each have to pick a sword class and they can't be the same. Who gets what? I Dual would- swords. Okay. You want that. I would want the two-handed great sword. I guess I'm stuck with whatever's left. You're stuck with a long long sword pole arm or the two-handed warhammer. I feel like you'd be good with a pole arm. Like all nimble. I'd probably go long sword because I would also be dual blade. Um, But yeah, I'll do, I would do regular. I could do pole arm if you wanted to go dual blades. Well, well, I mean, we can, we can try both out. Yeah. Yeah. We can swap around. Because something interesting to you. Okay. Usually pick the same class. Yeah, that's in games. Like, yeah, we're always like, ooh, that looks like fun. And yep. we're like, oh shit. Y'all don't stump on now my face. I have a bunch tank. of glass cannons. I'm a face tank. No, territory. we leave it for you because you have been very vocal that this is the style of character you like to play. Oh, I was getting, my blood was pumping watching that shit. How they were describing it, how you had to get right up all up in it, right all up in the enemies. And, oh, yeah. You love a good face tank, don't you? Oh. I could see the drool a little bit when he brought out that, the boss brought out that giant oh. hammer. I was grunting. Oof. It was 
so so pretty. But I noticed too that you can bust out shields even when someone was doing the dual blades. They were able to yes. blow, up, yeah, bring out a shield. It's probably that was a cool. bumper button or something where you just like hit it at the right time. Um, yeah, that was cool. I'm curious if because the, they obviously had dodge. Uh, I'm curious if there'll be a stamina meter for that or if it will be a persistent dodge you can use at any time. Who knows? Because there was not a single piece of HUD up on the screen. I was wondering if you were going to go there. <laughs> of course I got to go there. It was just my, again, I don't want to belabor this because I know I was trying to move on to the final story, but it was just something that I noticed and I, it's always a frustrating point for me. If you're going to make a big hoop to do about showing gameplay <laughs> and you don't show any of the heads up display or any of the user interface information, how can I trust that what I'm seeing is actually the gameplay? You've got to show me some of the information that you're going to be communicating to the player. Like This is not a Ghost of Tsushima moment where you're trying to take a screenshot of like how many leaves can I get on screen at one time, right? Like <sighs> then, yeah, get rid of the HUD. But you're showing me combat. You're talking about combos. You're talking about a pair system i need to see the hud i need to see it and i was disappointed that they didn't show it especially considering this game comes out in a couple of months Uh, yeah i mean uh, we were talking about this a little bit before the show i i wouldn't get too worried about that i do think that's an interesting point of like um you wanting to see it to know that it's technically real versus them being like well maybe like maybe we're tweaking our ui maybe we're doing this we don't really want to show it yet but i think even having that up in as a work in progress um, probably would have been helpful to cement that yes this is like this is the real deal this is what you'll be getting and i think actually what they could have used on there and i didn't see anywhere is actually just a stamp on it that said work in progress or something yeah uh so that people can't just take that footage and be like Mer, where'd the puddles go well, you know <laughs> i mean like normally yeah we were walking back and the lighting effects in particular are good but normally we do see that as a standard now that it says like pre-alpha work yeah. in progress in engine etc just that people aren't misled by what they're seeing in the game. And I just, I wanted to see some HUD. I go, if you're going to make, again, if you're going to make a big show of talking about the combat in, as in depth as they did in this presentation, show me the HUD. I need to see the HUD. Because you can't me. accurately judge the combat without looking at some of the metrics. So, yeah. That was my only point. Yeah, no, I, a, I definitely it's, think... it's a fair point. I think about when Ghost of Tsushima showed their gameplay, we didn't know what the resolve was at that point, right? And we were all mm-hmm. in like, what are those like little circles in the bottom left corner? But they didn't talk about it. Oh, the glowing orbs. What is their resolve? So maybe there's just some elements they're not ready to talk about yet. Who could say? Who knows? Who could say indeed? Well, let's move on, shall we? Yes. If you guys want to find all of the details, you can, of course, catch the recap of the state of play over at the PlayStation blog. But now it's time to talk about some beef. Ooh, yum, beef. Oh, that sounds good. Where's the beef? Beef. What do you call so a cow store- with no legs? Beef. Ground, ground beef. Yeah. Grounded beef. I've heard that joke before. It's good. Thanks. Ha ha. I feel like it would be grounded. Well, no. We're going to talk about grounded in the next segment. If we can ever get there. Nope. All right. Here's the beef. final story. When Microsoft's ambitious Netflix of gaming service launches in September, it won't arrive on Apple devices. And here's why. So this write-up comes from Business Insider. This September, Microsoft plans to launch a major coup in the video game business, the world's first game streaming service with a built-in library Netflix style. Even though technically Microsoft is not marketing it like that. Business nope. Insider, get your yep. shit together. For $15 a month, you're going to be able to stream over 100 games to smartphones and tablets, but it won't be available on Apple's ubiquitous iPhone and iPad. The reason, an Apple spokesperson said on Thursday, is because Apple isn't able to review each game that's available through Game Pass. Quote, 
The App Store was created to be a safe and trusted place for customers to discover and download apps and a great business opportunity for all developers, an Apple spokesperson told Business Insider. Before they go on our store, all of the apps are reviewed against the same set of guidelines that are intended to protect customers and provide a fair and level playing field to all developers. Our customers enjoy great apps and games from millions of developers and gaming services can absolutely launch on the App Store as long as they follow the same set of guidelines applicable to all developers, including submitting games individually for review and appearing in charts and search. End quote. A similar service offered by Google, named Google Stadia. You don't say. <laughs> LOL. Has also run into roadblocks with Apple's App Store guidelines. It's available on Android phones and tablets, but not Apple devices. Ooh, so this is why Stadia hasn't launched on iOS yet. So this is an interesting story. So we know that as part of the xCloud test that's happening, the preview, that people who own iOS devices have been able to play it in a test version where obviously you can't buy anything. And so because of that, Apple is not blocking them because there's no money to be made because it's just a test service, right? But now Apple's saying, yo, if you want to put your service where you're going to make money on our service that costs us money to run, you have to follow the rules. And it's interesting watching the reactions from people online because my gut instinct is always it's a free marketplace. It's a private platform. If you want to publish on that platform, you have to follow the platform's rules. Just like we publish our podcast on YouTube.com. And in order to do so, we need to follow YouTube's rules and their terms of service and their guidelines. And if we don't, we can get mad at YouTube all we want, but YouTube runs and pays for the platform. And so we kind of either got to follow the rules or we got to find a place to host our own platform for video. So we'll call him real quick. Patreon.com slash what's good games. Yes, Britt. Lovely patron of ours. I'm really bummed about the news rumors of Apple essentially killing xCloud on iOS. Do you ladies have any thoughts or hot takes on this? Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) I have a year left to pay pay on my iPhone, and if xCloud isn't available by then, I'm jumping ship, and I've been in the Apple ecosystem for years. Will, I have to say, I'm honestly surprised to hear that you're willing to leave the Apple ecosystem just for Project xCloud, because we were talking about it before we were recording the show. And I am of the mind that the vast majority of iPhone owners are not going to leave their iPhone behind for Project X Cloud. It's one streaming service of many, and the iPhone suite of services and technology and hardware is so comprehensive that once you're in and you see how amazing it is to work with, quite frankly, that. I would honestly be shocked to hear you leave just for xCloud. But, Will, apparently you exist and you're a person. And I would love, if Will, <laughs> to hear more about why this decision is so important for you for xCloud specifically. And hopefully you can write us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com or send us a message on patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames and maybe, you know, extend your explanation a little bit about why this decision is important for you. Because I, I genuinely would love to hear. Because it's, to me, like, when I saw this news, it instantly for me was, oh, they're going to come to an agreement. And it's going to be an agreement where Xbox and Microsoft have to cave to what Apple wants because they cannot leave 
hundreds of millions of iOS devices behind for xCloud. They just can't do it. Android is just too diverse of a field of devices, and it's difficult to develop for, even though it feels like it's easier, but it's not because the architecture is all over the place for Android, which is why it took Fortnite forever to launch on Android, and they launched on iOS quite easily. Because Apple standardizes their stuff. And that is part of the service of being in the Apple ecosystem. And you got to pay for that. And Apple knows that. And they hold the keys. And they're like, oh, you want access to everybody that has iOS devices? Then you got to pay the Pied Piper. And we're the Piper, bitch. So pay us or go <laughs> or go away. And that's literally what Apple is saying to Microsoft. And Microsoft just needs to bend the knee if they want xCloud on the service. And and I know there's people probably screaming at their phone or wherever you're listening to the podcast going, but no, Andrea, fuck Apple. It's wrong. They shouldn't do that. And like your rage is understandable. It really but is. is it? I get because it. Because I'm like, this is, I don't know. To me, I just don't understand it at all because this is the way that they've run their <laughs> store. And it's actually what you like about it because there's not a whole bunch of hot fucking garbage on there's it. There's not shit on it. Yeah. They <laughs> curate that because they do shit like this. Yeah. And it's only when it's something that feels like it's minorly inconvenient to you <laughs> that you're mad about it. And that's what I'm like, but, but no, like, yeah. yes, Apple runs this way for a reason. So the business and- insider, oh, sorry, thought you were done. No, go ahead. I thought I sensed a pause. So the business insider had a little bit of a blurb on this, and it said, given that the Apple allows, ser- the Apple, I added that, they did not write that. The Apple. The Apple. <laughs> given that Apple allows services like Netflix, Netflix and Spotify without reviewing every piece of content, why not allow a similar service for gaming? The difference boils down to the medium, according to Apple. Games are interactive, unlike music and film, and there are consumer expectations baked into the Apple store related to gaming, aka no in-app payment through Apple's built-in services for instance, and no app store rating among a variety of other things. So I don't, how do you ladies know anything about the process to get your shit submitted? Like yes. for this. Okay. So how big of a deal is it? If Microsoft so, is like, okay, let's individually submit all hundred plus of our games for this. No, honestly, that's not what they need to do. Okay. I think the, what they need to do is they need to take the store out of the iOS app for xCloud. So what it, what that would mean is that when you download the xCloud app on your iOS device, you have to log in with credentials that you've created on another device. You cannot set up a new account. You cannot exchange payment information. You cannot put any money into the app on iOS. If you are going to give Microsoft or Xbox any money through Project xCloud, it all has to be done either on your Xbox device, your PC, or some other Android device. You cannot do it through the Apple App Store because Mm -hmm. that's where Apple's saying, oh, you're exchanging money? We're taking our toll. And that's probably where Microsoft and Apple are butting heads is that Microsoft clearly is going to have payments built into that service where if you're playing a game on xCloud and you want to buy like a DLC pack or a customizable cosmetic item or something in a game that's free for streaming but they have like premium microtransactions built in right that if you may give apple the the payment processing handshake of that you have to give apple a percentage of that handshake and in order to get around that you have to just not allow anybody who's streaming on xcloud on an ios to pay for anything and Obviously, that's not what Microsoft wants, right? They want to be able to create a universal set of services that is going to be the same experience across all devices. And I don't blame them for that. But like, clearly, they either got to like buck up and give Apple their share, or they have to change their iOS ecosystem. I don't see a world in which Apple and Microsoft don't come to an agreement because if Xbox just straight up says, 
well, fuck you, Apple. We're not going to put xCloud on iOS. There's like, no I way. Don't see, I do <laughs> not see that happening. is the one that loses in that equation. Yeah, exactly. Xbox is the one that loses. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I don't know if, I mean, obviously, yes, they have to pay Apple if they do all of that. For me, what the, at least what the story sounded like to me was more of them disagreeing with the way they were trying to go about cert. They didn't, they, I mean, that's, anyways, that's, that's what I, that's what I said. And that to me, I think is the, the tricky part of this, particularly the secondary quote that you read, Brittany, about them making this about gaming specifically and not about movies, books, or music. Because Apple obviously curates their platform, which we discussed, but I don't think that this really comes down to the medium. This, I think this absolutely comes down to fucking but they, money. I mean, granted, I actually don't know much about their other teams. I know more about their games team because I have friends who have worked there. They do very much go through like all of the games that are available on the iOS platform. Um, so I don't want to say that this is necessarily just them being petty. Uh, I think it is just that they have a dedicated gaming team there and they're like, no, this is how we do it. <laughs> Mm. Uh, and yeah and i don't think it's them being petty either because apple loves money probably more than anything (laughs) else and like why wouldn't they want why wouldn't they want this money i just think that they also go we have the most sought after hardware ecosystem in the world we don't need you we're fine so if you want us clearly you need us because lots of people who want to play project x cloud have ios devices they want to play it on Mm -hmm. you need to you know, succumb to the terms that we want. And I think that if Microsoft just offers them up money, that this problem of certification Might will go, will go, go away. away. But money. although I was, if Google's having the same one, Google, who has more money than Google and Microsoft? Obviously Amazon. But like, there, <laughs> <laughs> there are other companies honestly, that do. That's a great question. I honestly think Microsoft might be ahead of Alphabet. All right. Let's see. Who has the biggest but, stockpile? But, but the point being like, yeah, these keep guys going, yeah. have a lot of money. Yeah. And if it was just about money, I don't know about Google. I do know Microsoft would throw the money at it because in general, that's how they've solved a lot of problems yeah. in the past. <laughs> They're just like, hey, fuck it. It's fine. Get it. Get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you said, I do anticipate this will be solved if only because Microsoft tends to be a little bit more flexible in that term and they will. They are they are a company that is more willing to just take a loss on something if need be. Um, but Oh, Apple is number two. So um, they're number two at $59.5 billion, according to Fortune magazine. Disgusting. The top 10 most profitable companies. The Saudi Aramco, which I imagine is an oil company, um, is in number one. Uh, Apple is number two. The Industrial and Commercial Bank of China is number three. Samsung is number four. China Construction Bank, number five. JP Morgan, number six. Alphabet, which owns Google, yes. is number seven. Agricultural Bank of China, number eight. Turns out China has a lot of money, everybody. Yes. Uh, Bank of America is number nine, and Bank of China is zero. Microsoft, not even on, not zero, sorry, 10. Uh, <laughs> Microsoft, not even in the top 10. So, so um, uh, Google. Mm, yeah, so Apple's up there at the top of the chain being like, I'm sorry, what do you need? Like, I'm sorry, what do you need down there? I can't hear you from way up here at number two. Also, $110 billion for the top one is really a hard number to wrap your brain around. $110 billion is a lot of fucking money. I can't billion. even wrap around $1 billion, let alone $110 billion. Jeez And that's, pro- that's profits. Profits. That hurts my soul. Oh, Lord, Harry, I'm oh, yeah, sweating. It's the Saudi Arabian oil company that, yes, spent yeah, $18, $18 on my next Chipotle bowl. I'm like, fuck, that's $18. <laughs> 
$18? How much extra avocado are you getting? She got all the extra guac. No, nah, see, when you live kind of in the six, man, you got to they get charged. You got to put a big order in. Oh, that's yeah. the delivery put fee. Put up or yeah. shut up. Oh, or and I, I'll shut up because I'll put up, I mean, because I, I it's want like Chipotle. The, so you, you and Chipotle are like Microsoft and Apple here. <laughs> Yes, and you you are willing to compromise and say, you know what, I'm going to pay way more money than I should for Chipotle because I want the convenience of this coming to me. Whereas Microsoft right now is being like, but I don't want to pay the delivery fee. Why can't I just have the thing? Pay the fucking delivery. And the it's worth is, it. That's not how the world works, honey. No. Yeah. No. It's interesting. I would love to be a fly on the wall in like the contract negotiation between both Google and Apple and Microsoft and Apple. Yeah. Clearly, these three companies all have competing interests in the video game space, right? And yeah. they all technically need each other in a variety of ways. And I would hope that their very smart money and lawyer people would have worked <laughs> out like what they need to do by now. And they'll come to an agreement. Like, don't get your panties in a twist. Friend of the show, Greg Miller, like, <laughs> tweeted, fuck off, Apple. And I'm like, really? You think, like, you think that that's going to be helpful? Because <laughs> like, I think the, like, no. the thought from a lot of folks is that they're trying to, and this is what I saw because I tweeted, oh, that's a bummer. And I got a lot of responses from people saying, oh, Apple is just trying to monopolize. They're, they don't want anyone else on their platform selling their games. I mean, yeah, obviously. Obviously, yeah. And it's if you um, want to use that. the sales, the, the money charts we just read If you want to use their platform i mean you need them honestly more than they need you of course they're gonna be like yeah give us some money for that you don't just it kind of reminds me of when we've been running this brand for how long okay we are nowhere near an apple i wish we were but my god <laughs> we are not at the we're not even like a spec we're not even like oh, yeah a boy. microscopic flea on a flea but all i'm saying is when you know you run your shit for a long time and you get someone comes to you and they're like hey here's here's this thing please promote it for free on all of your channels we're like, excuse us. Do you know how long it took to build this platform? How much blood, sweat, and tears it took? You don't just get to access this because you want it. You got to work for it. Yeah. You got to send us a billion dollars per sponsored post. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like the takeaway for me is like people can be mad and yell at Apple all they want. But like you said, Brittany, Apple has created a brand that is synonymous with quality and is one of the most ubiquitous brands in the world that's been going for decades. And they've earned the right to set the terms to access their platform. And Microsoft can choose to play by those terms or not. And that's going to come down to what's pro-consumer. And Aaron Greenberg on the show just a couple of weeks ago said that they're all about providing value to their consumers. And so I kind of got to go, well, feels like you kind of got to eat it on this one, Microsoft, if you want to keep providing value to your consumers. Yep. Yep. But just like they ate it on the HD drive. <laughs> You guys remember that? What was that called? What was the other one called? Fuck. Instead of Blu-ray. HD DVD. Was it just Wasn't it? Was it? Something, I thought it was for sure something it was. very simple and sort of stupid like that. But I'm pretty sure it was HD I think, yeah, DVD. it was just... And we all were like, HD DVD yeah. feels like it makes sense. It's like, it's everybody knows yeah. it's DVD, but yeah. HD. But then we're like, what the heck is Blu-ray? But Blu-ray yeah. won. And then Blu-ray was like, <laughs> suck it. <laughs> what it is. <laughs> We saw what happened to the laser disc, and we're not going out like that. <laughs> we will not be chumps like the laser disc. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, this conversation has certainly gone places. Uh, Brittany, you want to quickly run us through or in case you miss it before we head to the break? I would love to. So this is through IGN. Bethesda has announced that Doom Eternal and The Elder Scrolls Online will both be released on PS5 and Xbox Series X. And those who own either game on PS4 or Xbox One will be able to upgrade to the matching new version for free. Bethesda also noted that its teams are working hard on ensuring both games will support backwards compatibility when the new consoles are released, possibly hinting that upgrades won't be ready by the by both holiday by both consoles holiday 2020 launch window so if you play those games you get a free upgrade Woo, go you all right everybody and that is going to do it for our new segment for this week thanks for hanging in there we hope that you enjoyed the conversation when we come back we're going to talk about what we've been playing that includes marvel's avengers beta we also are talking about grounded bird has been playing paper mario the origami king and you guys have been having a lot of fun with fall guys stick with us we'll be right back everybody, Andrea here. Just a couple of quick announcements and housekeeping about what's happening on What's Good Games over the next couple of days. If you missed it, we had a state of play watch along at twitch.tv slash what's good games. You can catch the VOD of. Plus, this Sunday, August 9th, starting at 4 p.m. Pacific time, I'm doing a birthday stream! And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be playing some Fall Guys. We're going to do some dream surfing and animal crossing. And of course, we've got that fireworks show that starts at 7 p.m. So we'll be streaming for a couple of hours. Hopefully you can pop by and say hello have some champagne, eat some cake, take a shot, or, you know, take a nap, whatever you want to do. Uh, plus, we've got two very special guests joining us next week on What's Good Games. On Monday, August 10th, on What's Good Games Live, Funhouse's Elise Willems is finally joining us on the show. We had such a great time visiting them to play Funhouse Feud that we said to Elise, you got to come on by and be on the stream. So please join us at 11 a.m. Pacific time on our Twitch channel. And then next week on the show, Rebecca Valentine is joining us. We apologize that she was supposed to be on the show this week but we had to move the show because of the sony stream and then that messed up her schedule and so we thankfully got her rescheduled for next week so we look forward to you joining us then see you later Welcome back. It is the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. We're going to talk about a couple of games that we've been playing. But before we get to that, in the mere minutes that we were on break between segments, it appears that Microsoft has made a statement in regards to this Apple fiasco. Let's go to our correspondent, Brittany Brambaka, for the full story. Hello, I, Brittany Brambacher, live here in Washington State, and I, okay, I won't do that anymore. IGN just put out this article a few minutes ago titled, Apple Explains Why Xbox Game Pass Won't Launch on iOS, Microsoft Responds, dun dun dun, so none of us have read it. So ladies, before I get into it, do you think Microsoft is going to be cordial, or do you think they're going to go out, claws out? I don't think they're going to go claws out. I think that that's a bad call. the hand that you need? <laughs> I mean, that's a good statement. Good point. Okay, yeah. so here we go. A Microsoft spokesperson spoke to The Verge and said, Apple stands alone as the only general purpose platform to deny consumers from cloud gaming and game subscription services like Xbox Game Pass. The full statement reads as follows. Our testing period for the Project X Cloud Preview app for iOS has expired. Unfortunately, we do not have a path to bring our vision of cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to gamers on iOS via the Apple App Store. Apple stands alone as the only general purpose platform to deny consumers from cloud gaming and game subscription services like Xbox Game Pass, and it consistently treats gaming apps differently, applying more lenient rules to non-gaming apps even when they include interactive content. 
All games available in the Xbox Game Pass catalog are rated for content by independent industry rating bodies such as the ESRB and regional equivalents. We are committed to finding a path to bring cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to the iOS platform. We believe that the customer should be at the heart of the gaming experience and gamers tell us they want to play, connect, and share anywhere no matter where they are. We agree. End statement. I mean, it's a little catty. Yeah, it's Um, definitely catty, but at the end of it, they're like, fine, we're committed to finding a path. Let's get our little jab in. But interesting, like, this very much reads to me like they're trying to incentivize outrage among the community and trying to drive a bunch of, like, people to yell at Apple. Meanwhile, Apple's like... That feels like like it's a very manipulative move in that sense to be like, aren't we the good guys? We just want to give you this cool, fun thing. Apple's being really annoying about this. Uh, (laughs) And, like, so that, I feel like we're reading that, that's definitely what this is written to do. And... That sort of irritates me because <laughs> I'm like, I see, I see the way you've crafted this and it's very much shifting blame and it is trying to paint Apple as like this big bad, um, very lightly. Obviously they're never, they're not like overtly saying any of this, but, um, yeah, I don't know. We've talked a lot about it already, but that's, that is my thoughts on this statement. Yeah, I feel like this is just them being whiny. <laughs> Honestly, it's just them being like, oh, help us. You're not helping us. Mm. There you go. But we're fine. We we want to oh, we want to publish on iOS. We'll figure it out. If they publish on iOS, they can still continue the narrative of we are doing something despite Apple being incredibly difficult and denying consumers <laughs> blah, blah, blah. We did a good thing. We fucking triumphed. Go us. Pat us on the back. I like how it says, and it consistently treats gaming apps differently, applying more lenient rules to non-gaming apps, even when they include interactive content. Yeah, it's funny. They're calling them out. But I mean, yeah, I mean, they might not be, that might not be even an incorrect statement. It just feels a little bit weird to try. It it feels like airing dirty laundry, like publicly, which I don't really agree with I think yeah it's no strange. these kinds of fights happen in the biz dev community constantly and it's not just in video games and it's in business dealings all over the world in all kinds of industries like take your shit behind closed doors where it belongs and work it out yeah like getting a bunch of people on the internet to yell at apple is going to be completely fruitless they're number and two quite, man and like pun intended um so like honestly like (laughs) like you have a better use of your time you taking the time to make an angry post on the internet to apple is going to be like nothing to them it's gonna be like a mosquito biting like the skin of an elephant like they don't care like they literally could care less a lot i swell up real bad (laughs) (laughs) sam was like don't bite me though please don't come at me (laughs) there you go I need my mosquito nets yeah i just like this this whole thing feels futile to me like Keep your drama Resistance to yourself. Resistance is futile. You probably Work just could have kept that that little second paragraph in there, and you would have been good. Anyway, yep. there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The plot thickens. To be continued, dot, dot, dot. Indeed. Now, let's talk about superheroes. So, you guys may have seen this week an embargo was up for Marvel's Avengers Beta. The beta is now available starting today, August 7th, on PlayStation 4 for those that have pre-ordered the game. It then opens up for open access on PlayStation 4, Xbox, closed access. I believe those are pre-orders. And then PC also pre-order access from Friday, August 14th to Sunday, August 16th. And then one more weekend where all platforms are going to get open access to the beta from the 21st of August to the 23rd of August. So you want the chance to try? You will get the chance to try without pre-ordering. You just 
have to wait. And quite honestly, it's in your favor to be in the last beta wave because the game will only get better and more stable as they make improvements and tweaks to the servers and other gameplay elements through these beta periods. That's why, friends, I never play betas. Mm. (laughs) I don't want to be your tester. Get out of here with that. (laughs) I enjoy playing betas because I think that if it's a game I'm particularly excited for, but I also like, you know, I like being part of the hotness, you know? Being, it's yeah, fun. No, I'm the cool. I'm the person who's like playing the beta will actually ruin the game for me because then you know oh, you have no. to do the same content I don't over have to again. Do that section over yeah. again. I don't want to. <laughs> no, I feel you, girl. I feel you. It's dumb, and I will admit that it's a dumb reason, but that's how I am. Listen, motivated. you you get to have your but reasons, though. So. Yeah. Tell us about your time, oh, Avengers Land. I, I will. So uh, the three of us got to play the Marvel Avengers demo, which is essentially the tutorial part of this mission that is the very opening of the game at PAX West, West last, year. last year. Was that when we got yes. to play this? It was a while ago. Uh, but we all pretty much had a fun time playing. Yeah. But I think it left a lot of questions about how is the RPG progression going to work? How is the online co-op going to work? And at the time, they weren't really answering too much. But now we have a lot more deep dives since they've started doing these war tables for Marvel's Avengers. So uh, I have some B-roll playing here that is kind of like a beta walkthrough for people who are watching on YouTube, if you guys want to take a look. Um, there's been lots of outlets talking about the Avengers beta this week, and it seems like the reviews are pretty mixed on their thoughts on the beta. Now, I do want to remind everybody, this is a beta, and it's not final product, but the game is coming out next month. So what you see here is going to be very similar to what you see next month, but they still have an opportunity to optimize a couple of things behind the scenes. You'd really be looking at performance. Yes, exactly. anything else. And I did not have any performance problems when I was playing the game. So we started out doing a little bit of gameplay from the core five Avengers that you see in the opening. So that's Thor, Iron Man, Black Widow, Hulk, and... Cap. Captain America. Yes. Of those five... My two favorites were Captain America and Black Widow, which is a surprise because generally I don't care for Black Widow as a character in the universe of Marvel Comics and MCU, but But she's so nimble. She's nimble and she's voiced by the incredible Laura Bailey. So she's Laura's amazing. And I actually really enjoyed what I got to play with Black Widow here. And I think the combination between switching back and forth between her more martial arts infused combat style hand-to-hand and then the gun the gunplay was really fun so here we have uh, so so this is kamala khan so she's one of the new characters in kind of the video game world of the avengers obviously kamala khan has been in the comic books for quite some time and is a really cool interesting character so she's this young girl who gets affected by these kind of energy waves that are released during a day they call it when we see we've seen in this trailer several times where the ship goes down and something's happened to captain america and all of these people these citizens around this kind of explosion get infected with this energy and they become what's called inhumans and so kamala khan is an inhuman and so she is got this uh, this i am it's called embiggens is what her super is called when she just gets big and she makes parts of her body very big, <laughs> which is why she gets like a really big hand or a really big foot. And then her super is like she she gets really big, which is kind of fun to see her running around with Hulk because they're the two biggest characters <laughs> uh, on screen at the same time. And so the beta has quite a bit of content in it, actually, that you get to play. So I played for 
a solid two hours and didn't even finish all of the beta content. And so for me, like that's really impressive amount of content to be playing. And you get to play a whole mission as Hulk and you play with Kamala. And I really loved Kamala's combat as well. I honestly was very disappointed with what I played with Hulk's combat this time around. Because when we played the demo, I actually was very interested in the type of gameplay that he had because it just he felt so powerful and he moved so quickly. He but was the, really floaty, which I thought was kind of a strange choice for somebody like a like big Hulk boy who is he a yeah. big boy. Uh, but he would just like spring up as if he weighed nothing. And that to me felt a little bit weird. But again, we played it almost a year ago. So I kind of figured they would maybe tweak the. So he definitely feels weightier now. But what I was running into was that you really need to use Hulk's heavy melee attack to disrupt a lot of enemies, shielded enemies, heavies, etc. And the wind-up animation for his heavy takes so goddamn long that I'm like, there's no way that like real Hulk in any kind of comic book universe would have this like painfully slow like wind-up animation because Hulk is fast and big and strong. And... I just didn't feel fast and big and strong. And like I played with six different Avengers in this demo. I only died playing as Hulk because I felt like his combat got super muddled, which is like you would think if you're playing as the tank tank, that you're not, not that you can take a beating and keep on going, but it did not feel that way. And I think a lot of that had to do with either some of the communication with the HUD with, I couldn't really tell when my health was getting low and when I needed to get out of combat. Um, And also just the combat feeling unfortunately very interchangeable between a lot of the heroes Mm. light melee heavy melee super dodge the dodge oh my gosh i laughed out loud at hulk's dodge because here you have this giant beast of a creature and his dodge is this tiny like little juke to the side he's just like oops sidestep (laughs) you can't hit me i'm the gingerbread man (laughs) what happened um but I think that this game has a ton of potential. Now, I unfortunately did not get the opportunity to play co-op with anybody because during the press beta over the weekend, I had company in town. My mom's visited, which I have mentioned on the show. And so I didn't log online. And so when I was playing, I was playing solo and didn't have anybody to play with. But you can play up to four-player co-op and then your teammates are filled in by AI. And I've, I watched a bunch of other people's content. I watched the Easy Allies impressions. I, I watched the kind of funny impressions on some other channels. Kind of listening to what people were saying and kind of what they thought. And it feels like if you're a big fan of Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, you're going to love this game. The lore, the deep, like, Easter eggs that you're going to find from years of Marvel comic books are absolutely there and present. You can see them right away. But that hack and slash gameplay that you get from Ultimate Alliance is really just kind of up here mm. and has like a shinier coat of paint on it from Crystal Dynamics. And I don't want to be reductive of the work that Crystal has done in this game. I really don't because I think that they clearly have put a lot of effort into the combat, but the beta specifically did not give me a really great impression of just how diverse and deep these characters can go. And I know that's difficult to do in a beta and it's tough because like, I want to judge the beta on what I played and want to be very excited for more things to come. But at the same time, I just like, I did not leave wanting to keep playing this game. And I don't know if that's because like, I just don't, 
have connections to these characters and their deep, you know, lore in the Marvel Universe or if it's just it was just too much. So we have a little bit of menus here that you're going to see in some of this B-roll. My first impression of some of the menus were that there was just way too much information on screen and a lot of the font was super small. I actually took a screenshot of one section where they pulled up like a, a, a piece of <laughs> oh my god her hand I'm sorry it's Kamala's hand it's yeah. like Stretch Armstrong the over animation there animation on that must yeah. be an engineer's nightmare but she was probably the most fun to play with besides Captain America and of course we don't know what's happening with Cap you know they've set up in the story we talked about how right. mad I was about what they did with Cap in the beginning of the game yeah, yeah, but yeah. like he playing with the shield was just so satisfying and I'm oh, really yeah, excited to play people. To play more, oh Iron, oh my gosh, playing with Iron Man was was a disappointment for me. Um, and I know that some people really enjoyed the flight. I did not. I did not like the reticule system. I didn't like the shooting mechanics. I think after what we've seen with Anthem and the javelins, yeah. like the bar has been set so high for like suit flight and combat that it just it just did not hit the mark. But that's what's going to be the challenge for this game, right? You mm-hmm. have so many different diverse and unique heroes that you're trying to make have their own unique identity and at some point the ball is going to drop and you're not going to be able to give everybody equal attention and i think that's really kind of what crystal dynamics is suffering from here is that they have so many interesting heroes that they're trying to do everything well without really excelling in a single thing huh if that makes yeah. sense no it totally makes sense and unfortunately a lot of the reviews i was seeing and people just the general chatter on twitter was like yeah a lot of folks are worried and it's it's weird because looking at it here it looks it looks like a polished great fun good time but it sounds like it's aiming toward what steimer has described it as it's kind of a good popcorn flick you know hop in play some multiplayer with some friends don't expect anything too groundbreaking or too revolutionary and just have fun punching and killing shit Yeah, I think this reminds me, obviously, two different properties, so don't fucking come at me. But this will probably remind me a lot of my time that I spent with with Greg on DC Universe Online. I thought of DC Universe Online immediately, too. Yeah, I'm like, obviously not an MMO, so structurally very different in that regard, but in the sense that, like, hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hop online with a few friends. We'll run through, I don't remember what they're calling them. But war table or war missions, war, t- war table missions, whatever. The and there's also another kind of mission here. Let me look it up. Yeah, but keep well, going. But, you know, we'll hop through those, those things. I'll get some new gear tonight. It'll be cool. I get to play as whoever I want. Like, that's yeah. how I kind of see this game. Um, and I think that that can fulfill a void for a lot of people mm-hmm. that really just want to do that. I obviously don't want to judge anything before it comes out, but I don't necessarily think this will be on anybody's game of the year list as top, right? Like maybe in certain categories it could do well. Um, but that's basically just given kind of what I've played very lightly. So that is obviously very a very green judgment. <laughs> but so um, I, I do think this game will be a lot of fun. I haven't seen Avengers. Don't at me. So how much the success of Avengers, the film, do you think is going to impact the game at all? You know what I mean? I think there's been enough of a wait between what we're seeing in this game and when the movie came out. And honestly, the delay was probably really good for them. Mm-hmm. That I, I, to me, like... I think audiences are going to recognize that these are very different universes, right? The canon's different. Yeah. Clearly, the voice actors, the likenesses are all different. The storyline is different. I don't. I, I really hope people stop making this comparison to the MCU because I think Marvel and Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix have bent over backwards to say this is not the MCU. 
you don't expect to see Robert Downey Jr. Don't expect to see any of the characters, the voices of the people you know from the MCU. That's not this. This is an original story. And I honestly, I think that's in Crystal's favor. I, of all the people that I played with, I still loved Kamala Khan the best. I think that she's, from what I've seen in the beta, now this is just about, remember, this is just about the beta impressions. Um, I just think that she's such an interesting, young, fresh character, and it's, she's somebody who hasn't gotten very much spotlight in Marvel's history in TV and film properties, if really at all. I don't think we've seen her, have we? I think maybe she's been teased for upcoming things. I don't know if it, because she's been cast for sure. Um, but I don't think, I don't know if they've filmed it yet or if it just hasn't released. Yeah. I mean, I, I am not up to speed on that. So please don't, um, don't quote me on anything about, you know, her as a, as a character and kind of, you know, where she stands within the greater Marvel universe. And just, just as a reminder, her name is Ms. Marvel. Uh, That is her character name. I'm using her her government name, air quotes. Um, but yeah, her character name is Ms. Marvel. But she's, she just seems like she's going to be a really cool addition. And I think it's going to be interesting kind of see where she goes. Because the storyline um, that I played with her, she has a mission with Bruce Banner, played by Troy Baker. And they kind of go on this mission together. And seeing their very different style side by side, I thought was really interesting and fun. But it's... Mm. I think that there's a lot here. There's a lot of really in-depth gameplay elements when you break down the RPG, multiple skill trees, a very big gear system, and of course, what they've talked about what seems like an endless amount of potential cosmetics. But what I think is really maybe the trouble is that I don't feel like... Sorry, I just finally found... I'm like looking and looking. I I finally found... So at Disney's D23, Miss Marvel will be a new series that will launch on Disney Plus streaming. Uh, I don't think they've announced the actress yet. I thought that they had. Um, But that is the thing that is coming. So she will get a little bit more of a spotlight to come. But yes, she has not yet. Okay. Well, that's great. Thank you for that. Um, Thank you for that update. I think that's important. And it's also, I think, important to to let people know that, you know, she is a a Muslim-American character as well, which I think the representation is important. We talk about representation and how representation matters a lot here on What's Good Games. And I love that they have her in this game as a forefront character as somebody who looks like she's going to be taking a more starring role than maybe we originally thought when they announced this game. So just kind of talking a little bit more about, uh, I'm going to try to roll back on some of this footage so we can see a little bit more of the, um, the menu systems. Um, so they have a very deep RPG progression built into this game that relies heavily on a gear system. And so DC universe. Online. I mean, re- I mean, really, I know that there's been, there's been way more people that I'm comfortable with comparing this game to Destiny. Th- Stop that. Stop comparing oh, it to Destiny. She on herself. Oh, oh. It's she, not oh, Destiny. It's nothing like Destiny. It's co-op. That's literally the only thing it has in common with Destiny. Got it? Stop it. Just stop it. Not okay. everything is Destiny. <laughs> yes. I just like it, it like irritates me so much because Destiny is so unique in so many ways. And the shared world part of Destiny is really what sets it apart from everything else. And this game is not that. You don't get to run around in the game of Marvel's (laughs) Avengers and then run into other 
groups of players. That's not how it works. I think people right. see the gear and they're like, Destiny! And there you It's go. an RPG thing. I mean, and Destiny pulled it from, from MMOs. <laughs> yeah, everybody borrows from everybody else. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> one big happy family. I just think it's an incredibly misleading to say that Marvel's Avengers plays anything like Destiny. It doesn't. Oh, that, yeah, uh, I mean... No. It's first off, it's not a first person shooter. Marvel's Avengers is a third person action adventure. Dude. And you are superheroes. You're not, you know, space magicians. Give anyway, Hulk a gun. Anyway, RPGs. Yes. So uh, the gear system is really what I was talking yeah. about. So the gear system is very in depth. I mean, you have your traditional gear system, you have gauntlets, boots, chess piece, etc. Nope. So there's four difficulty levels, and each hi- higher difficulty you go, you get better gear, more XP. Very standard stuff, right? Yep. So, what I found really d- challenging about the gear system is that there's all of these different pieces of gear, but you don't see those pieces of gear reflected on your character because. Mm. You have these cosmetic skins, which are separate from your gear pieces. Now, there's two schools of thought about that. Some people really like that. Some people hate that. I like that. Yeah. Only because I want to see them wear stupid outfits, and I know that, that we can do that. I do, too. I also am into that. But then if you're going to make cosmetics a big focus of your game, I kind of question why you would make a super deep RPG filled with all different types of gear that levels with you and that you're incentivized to chase higher difficulties to get better gear when... At the end of it, you're still going to want to cosmetically look the same unless those pieces of gear have a very big influential um, role to play on gameplay, right? And I think that that has yet to be seen if the gear pieces are really going to be impactful or not. I think it actually hmm. depends more on how you obtain the visual ones because like in Guild Wars, a lot of the gear you'll get is not necessarily – I mean, technically the legendary gear, they always will bump up to be the best – but it takes so long to get there that that's why. And those are just like, they're mostly visual flair. They are technically better than a lot of things in the game, but they aren't wildly better than everything in the game. They are more of just like, I'm chasing something to chase something. And I think that's part of why they put in this system in the game where they're like, Mm -hmm. you're really chasing the parts and how you look is somewhat separate, but it sounds like so far, we're not necessarily sure how you chase the other part. Um, And that will be a, a key factor in the longevity of the game. Hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think that what I'm really interested to see is how these both Warzone missions and hero missions are going to be replayable over time. Because when I spoke to the team at Crystal Dynamics, it seemed like they weren't really what I'm sorry. I'm smiling because I'm thinking of my time on DC Universe online and how many times Greg and I replayed some of the dumbest fucking missions and those the really terrible i'm sorry i love i still love this game it was total crap um the the voice lines would get stuck in our head they were just like (laughs) so i was laughing at some of the voice lines because they are delivered in a hilarious fashion sam is just having her own little party i have have my own party in my head i mean it's the same thing for me with destiny right like there's certain strikes that i could probably like recite back word for word and i think that anybody who plays any kind of grindy mmorpg like knows that and is totally okay with it. They're like, hey, grinding is part of the game. And like I don't I think it's still unclear just how much grinding is going to be <laughs> how much grinding is going to be a part of the overall progression of Marvel's Avengers. But I think like at the end of it, you have to go into this game with a love of these Marvel characters in order to stay hooked because otherwise I just felt like the gameplay is something that we've seen before. Uh-huh. I honestly did not see anything in my time with Marvel's Avengers so far that felt truly innovative. And I think that that is problematic because of 
the competition of titles in the space right now. We're at the end of the generation. You expect games to look and feel great. And this game looks good, but I honestly think Shadow of a Tomb Raider looked better. I think the graphics and the animation, the details in the environment, all of it, like just was a better looking game. And that's troublesome. Uh. And I, I think though that there's going to be a gigantic section of the audience that does not care. Because I see how popular Ultimate Alliance 3 was on Switch and how many people love that game and how well it sold. And I know that those same people are looking at this going, this is exactly what I want. Yeah. I want to run through a corridor level where I'm smashing boxes and picking up orbs and leveling up my character and getting gear. And in that sense, Marvel's Avengers absolutely succeeds in what I played in the beta. But if you're looking for something that's a little bit more in-depth, a little bit more, you know more i don't expect this <laughs> to i don't be, know if you're gonna find it i don't yeah i don't expect this to be a spider-man level oh no, no i, like I to, think no yeah no but for me yeah this is like a like you said marvel alliance or a dcuo that's not the, uh, an mmo um that is really just more of the strike missions together with your friends yeah and to me that's totally fine um so i guess yeah i mean as with anything in life it is all about expectation setting and knowing what you're getting into before you get in there not overblowing it to be something that it, it couldn't possibly be overblowing right. isn't necessarily a good thing it kind of reminds me so i'm a big fan of the anime fairy tale and fairy tale just came out on ps4 and switch and i love playing this game because it has all the characters in the story that i absolutely love and have come to learn to love over the past oh i don't know like five or six years since i've been familiar with this franchise the gameplay sucks i mean the battles are kind of fun but other than that it's everything we've seen before so it's that thing it's like you got to try to turn off that critical eye and just enjoy it for what it is. And it sounds like for fans of Marvel that you're going to get those Easter eggs. You're going to get that story. You're going to get that character interaction. And maybe like you're saying, that's all people need. So yeah, like just to echo what both of you are saying, set the expectation going into it. Cause I, I mean, Andrea isn't the only one who's raised these same concerns. So it's, you know, it's that thing where like different opinions, but if everyone's saying the same thing, it's probably true. So just yeah, keep your I mean, expectations open. I mean, one hundred percent. And like again, to echo what Brittany said, like this game is not a bad game. It wasn't broken. Like the graphics weren't shit. Like the gameplay was fun. Some games are going to be really fun, good games, and some games are going to be like genre defining, excellent games. And Speaking of genre defining, excellent games, I feel like we should move on. We're going to to the next thing, which I think will be the most epic, and I really want to hear Brittany talk about it. And that's what? grounded. Oh, I was like, paper <laughs> Mario. Genre defining yes. game. Okay. Um, I, yes. We, we, are, wanna... we are moving on. Yes. So final thoughts. Like, yeah. yeah. It was just it though. So if you guys are interested in trying it and you want to try it out for yourself, again, you do not have to pre-order the game to try the beta. You just have to wait to the final weekend, which I believe, again, August 21st. Let me just get that date. Yeah, so Friday, August 21st is when all platforms will have open access to try the beta for free. So try it out for yourself and let us know what you guys think about it. Maybe you loved playing with Hulk and I didn't. Maybe you also loved playing with Ms. Marvel. Uh, let us know. But yeah, those are my thoughts. Okay. Uh, grounded. So this okay. game is in Xbox Game Pass preview, technically, mm-hmm. right? Uh, from Obsidian Entertainment. And we talked about this with Zombie Kills. And it's basically Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the game. Brittany. Yeah. Brittany, have you ever seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Yes, I have. Okay, great. They asked yeah. me the same question. And I was like, yes, I have seen that. I can't tell you everything that happens, though. I remember oh, a few distinct not. scenes. Of course I can't. But yeah. like some certain scenes I remember. So I know I've seen parts of it. 
Okay. So Grounded, for those of you who aren't aware, it follows the player character. You can choose from four different teenagers to play as. They are shrunk by ominence. I probably said that wrong. Shrink ray to the size of an ant and must survive in the micro world of a suburban backyard. This dangerous landscape can be navigated solo with up to three additional players in cooperative multiplayer, working together to progress through story-based missions or explore the farthest reaches of the game world. You must gather, craft, and build bases with everyday objects, like blades of grass, which I did. Search for life-saving resources such as the dew off of grass to quench your thirst, or transforming acorn shells into body armor to defend against a host of unpredictable creatures like ants. Okay. Wait, you have you have a thirst meter? Yes. So is this like don't starve, but in a tiny grounded form? In a so like you t- do in have tiny other shrunk the kid form. There are pretty well. I haven't played Don't Starve enough of it to talk about it. I but love Don't Starve. There are survival elements, and something I noticed right from the get go is you can Good. turn those okay. off if you want to just explore. So there's a lot of there's a few different difficulty options. I did the normal, which I think is like medium, and then there's a harder difficulty, and then there's an exploration. I don't know what the exact name of it is, but essentially it turns off the survival elements, so you can just enjoy and craft and build and survive the bugs that are going to try to eat your face off. I didn't find the survival elements too crazy. It, they were okay to manage. You just got to find a jukebox, but I digress. A jukebox, a juice box, but I digress. I was like a jukebox in the backyard? There might be one. There might be one. Who could say? So you start <laughs> off, and you have four different characters you can choose from. Max, Willow, Pete, or Hoops. They have all the same abilities. They all play the same. They just have different dialogue. Just a visual. Yeah, or... just, yeah, different dialogue, different characters. They look obviously very different and it's fun because depending on who you pick your characters will banter back and forth with each other and they have you know different goals and ambitions and you kind of learn about it even though they're teenagers they're cute uh so yeah you're in this backyard like like i just said and it seems huge but it's funny because the distance from objectives is told in centimeters oh, <laughs> so no. it, it was funny because i was playing with jason and he's like okay our base is five centimeters this way i'm like wow i don't think five it's centimeters ever- yeah I was like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone because you're tiny itty bitty, and we were all. Oh, no, I know, but we use inches. It's America. <laughs> oh yeah, excuse I mean, us. She's not wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding. We do use a different system, but still. Yeah. So as you're exploring the backyard, you find all sorts of things. You find grass, weeds, flowers, bugs, trash. Could be a juice box, which you might want to make a marker for, so then you know where you're going to get your water or your juice, rather. And as you're playing, you can discover you discover that something obviously went very wrong. You really don't know what happened. And there are audio logs that you can find throughout the sandbox that gives you uh, some insight as to who these people are, who might have done it, what the background who of all this done is. It? Who done it? So the demo itself, to finish the story part of it, takes like 10 to 15 minutes. So we did that part. And essentially, it's you waking up. And you're like, oh, this is weird. Where am I? And it gives you a little hand-holding. Like, oh, an I'm an ant. It's oh my god, it's so big. There's these really cute aphids though that are really fucking cute. Aww, aphids they, suck though. They fucking kill all your plants. Yeah, but in this game, they don't try to hurt you. They're like the only thing that well, doesn't try to kill you. you. You're not made of <laughs> the yummy, yummy chlorophyll. Everything else wants to fucking kill you. <laughs> you eat chlorophyll. Excuse me, you're right. But even the ladybugs try to kill you. Ladybugs I don't try know. to kill you? Yeah. That seems not in their nature it's i know they're so nice and cute irl but i guess in this game they're just devil monsters and it's funny because you always like know I need to look up the zoo books information on <laughs> oh my goodness zoo books oh again my gosh. so it when you first start off it kind of holds your hand a little bit which is nice because i'm admittedly pretty pretty greed when it comes to survival 
survival games, and they usually don't stick with me, but something about this one I really enjoyed. I think it is because it's the premise of you're a teenager and you're in a backyard, and I think because of that, it's like, oh, this is kind of neat. Like, what are things going to look like from this perspective? So it's like, okay, you know, you can drink the still water, the puddles in the ground, but that will cause your hunger to go down. So it's like find clean water. Instead of finding clean water, you know, you want to craft a dew collector, or maybe you'll just find random water droplets throughout, which look like big jelly jubblies, but they're little drops of water. You can <laughs> slurp <what>? from them. <laughs> jelly jubblies. I don't know what a jelly jubbly is, but it's a drop of water like in jubblies? <laughs> no, jubbly, because oh. it just sounded like a, a jiggly substance. Jiggly like jelly. Puff. Yes, you find little jiggly puffs all over the ground and grounded. And you drink them twice. Oh, God, that is so weird. So as you're crafting, well, crafting, as you're collecting stuff, you know, you'll go through and you'll find little sprigs is what they're called. Sprigs and peblets. And those are some of the things you can just find from the get-go. You don't need to destroy anything to collect them. So you can take those, craft a peblet hammer, and then you can go start knocking grass down. And uh, so an interesting mechanic in this is that they have these things called analyze station, research stations, rather, scattered throughout and how it works is you go up to one of them, and then it scans your resources that you have, and from that, it unlocks recipes that you can use related to whatever it is you scanned. And it has three charges, and after you've used all three, for some reason, it cools down for like five to ten minutes IRL time. I guess just as a way to keep you from spamming it, I suppose. I'm not sure. So then as you unlock more recipes, you can start doing more things like crafting bases and whatnot. Your typical run-of-the-mill stuff is kind of like what I get from it. Uh, so there, the weird twist in this though is that there's some kind of like science fiction involved obviously because oh my god a shrink ray and what's happening and there's this little character that you meet named Burgle and B-U-R-G-L and he is a robot designed to flip hamburgers created by someone I don't know exactly what the scope is but you find him and this is where it kind of loses me because again the, the plot of it was like 10 minutes long you find him underneath an oak tree in some like metal base that looks like a bunker that he would want to survive in the apocalypse. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And he's and, tiny? Yeah. I mean, he's your size, so he must be very tiny. So That's... he's flipping bug burgers? Because, like, what other sort of meat would you have? You don't have the world's tiniest beef with you. I think, I think Burgle was the assistant to the scientist who probably shrunk you. Uh, that's kind of the that makes that's sense. kind of what I'm gathering from the audio logs, sure. but there's not that many to go off of. So there's this currency called raw science, and it allows you to gather more recipes and to upgrade your whatever it is you want to upgrade. The rest of the upgrades that I saw were multi-story bases. You can upgrade your torch, which is what you'll need if you're going to go down maybe like an ant hole and you can't see anything, so you got to build a little torch. It lets you fortify your bases and update your scab scanner, which is a gross word, but it's essentially these little wrist these like wrist watches that the kids find themselves on with when they wake up. And it lets them know uh, what their hunger level is, what their thirst level is. Um, you can upgrade it to let you know if there's raw science around, which is the currency that you need to make certain upgrades. And Burgle also has quests for you. It can be something like kill three soldier ants or explore this area and do this. And the one story thing we did is you're kind of exploring and it's like investigate this mysterious device. And it looks like a, a piece of – oh, it kind of looks like a gutted – Game Boy, in a sense, but I don't think it was a gaming device. It's kind of weird when you're seeing things so close. You're like, what the hell is this thing? I think it's probably where the kids got shrunk because there's these, all these rays coming, pointing at this one specific spot in the ground, and you have to go there and investigate this little machine that looks like that gutted Game Boy or whatever it was. And you have to 
fit, you, you, you walk up to it and they're like, okay, there's a wire that's clearly broken on that one laser over there. So investigate what went wrong. So then you got to go figure out like what happened. Turns out there's some like weird aphids or bugs on the wire that you have to destroy. And then it turns on and then it's like, okay, cool. You've done the tutorial. Now go explore. And so the story stuff was really light, but the exploration was pretty fun. I think we played for probably three to five hours. We did run into some hiccups, which I mean, it's expected. This is very early, but we eventually crafted a little base with blades of grass because you craft a hammer, you cut down the grass and then you carry the grass blades. It's just really cute because it's in this weird perspective that I don't think we've ever seen before. At least I don't know if a game's ever done anything like this. And you carry your glass, your grass blades around. You build a little fort, and then the fucking ants, the ants will try to get all of your shit. Ants Those ants are bastards. Always. They are very pesky. Both of they the are. So I built these baskets full of all of these goodies that I had collected because I'm a you know like in real life I'm a hoarder in games, and I had all these little craftables. Fuck you. I did that for you. <laughs> and I put them all in there, and I was all proud of my do-do-do-do. And next thing I know, there's a trail of ants going straight for it. So then we had to build a wall made out of blades of grass around our base to try to protect it. And it kind of worked, but the ants, you know, they're persistent. Grass won't do the much. Ants to stop an ant. two by two. Hurrah. <laughs> so the thing is that the map was relatively big, and because I'm so new to these survival games, I'm not sure if it's the norm to build multiple bases throughout the map. Or, I mean, I'm assuming it is. And after reading some reviews of people who had also played it, they said, yeah, you like you want to have multiple bases. The problem is, is well, it's not really a problem. When you die, instead of losing everything, your backpack just falls where you died. And then you go back, you get your backpack, you have all your goodies in there. So it's not like you lose absolutely everything, which is really appreciated. And you can craft these little tents called lean-tos. And what you can do is set them as your spawn point. So you can have a lean-to almost anywhere you want, but you can only have one designated as your spawn point. So if you make really good progress traversing from point A to point B, and you're like, if I die, I have to go all the way back there. I don't want to do that. Just create a lean-to, make it as your spawn point, and you can also sleep in there to pass the nighttime. Because at nighttime, all the mean bugs come out. Spiders are out all hours of the day, but they specifically come out more at night, and they're mean. Fuck the spiders. I mean, spiders are really just there to eat other bugs. And oh, they want to eat you. Usually you got to like fall on their... Tr- I'm talking about real life. Oh, well, this like, ain't real life. You have to like go into the web unless it's like a hunting spider, which I don't know how many <laughs> there's, there are in the backyard, but... <laughs> like, there's a lot of spiders in my backyard. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the spiders are mean. I didn't get a chance to kill a spider. I did kill a lot of ants with my spear that I crafted. Can you go find the queen ant if you go deep enough into the ant hole? Maybe. I didn't get to explore an ant hole, unfortunately. Oh. But yeah, I just killed a lot of soldier ants. I killed a lot of worker ants. I killed a lot of... Those poor workers are just... Gnats. Gnats. I killed a lot of gnats. But no, I think this game has a lot of potential. I know when it first came to Game Pass, a lot of people were talking about it and playing it and saying they had a really good time with it. And I did too. I was excited to keep playing more. But there's just not a heck of a lot you can do during this preview period. And it's fun to be run, running around and you come across like a juice box or a hot dog or some or a baseball and just getting that perspective of like, oh, yeah, that's what that would look like. It's pretty fun. And it's it's just really cute. And it kind of, it's a feel good game, even though you can die and spiders are really scary. But you can modify the spiders if you don't like them. You can make them look like <laughs> ah, little yes. floating, floating balls. Well, hold on. Let me rephrase that. Yeah. A floating head. What's the name of the spider's body? Thorax? No, it's oh, not thorax. Oh, uh... I don't know what it's don't called. Know enough. Uh, Can't remember. Anyhow, so you can make it not super intimidating. Now I have to look it up. God damn it. <laughs> I think there's a lot of potential with it. It was a really fun time, and usually games like this don't grab my attention, but I did, and I'm happy I played it. It was just something fun and chill to 
throw one back, you know? Yeah, Just no, survive. it says abdomen and then cephalothorax. Okay, cephalothorax abdomen. is where like the faces shit are. Oh, the legs, legs? And the head. And then the butt slash back is the abdomen. Abdomen. At least on certain types of spiders. I mean, I feel yeah. like not all spiders are created equal. I think this game, um, once it has more of the story content and once it's more objective-based, I think it's when it's really going to click with me. But like I said, it's just to give you a little taste of it, and it lasts maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And then it's like, go explore, and Burgle will have little quests for you to do. Go ahead, go on with your bad self. But there's not much more you can do after that. Yeah. If you, unless Ooh. you want to like really just like thoroughly explore everything and the wikipedia page and even some other these other websites found things i had no idea existed but they played for like 10 to 15 hours or something yeah Crazy. yeah cool it's cute it's cute yeah it looks fun i definitely want to try i have it downloaded i just haven't been able to jump in because not gonna lie spending too much time in uh ghost of tsushima Sushi ghost. To pet all the foxes there's a lot of them there's two so so freaking many things to get in that game um anywho um i do want to kind of not spend too much time in this next game mostly because i've only played a couple of hours of it but it was super fun and i'm very excited to play more so fall guys the ultimate knockout you mean game of the year what was that i said do you mean game game of the year year. oh yes game of the year (laughs) fall guys uh ultimate knockout uh from media tonic is just a super fun great game that i cannot recommend more so it's a great game to play with people i played on stream with some people if you guys want to check the vod of that uh, you can go into a party with up to four people and you essentially go head to head against 59 other players so it's a 60 player pool and just like the weirdest mini games i think i've ever seen you know and i love that they're taking kind of the formula of what like a mario party is and making it larger but not quite as competitive as battle royale is you know clearly there's just a lot of these games that you can't have strats in because you're you're put into teams and if your team screws up there's nothing you can really do about it (laughs) but it's just such a really fun game it's free right now on playstation plus and it's 19.99 on steam so a very affordable game to just jump right into and i'm very bummed that they did suffer from review bombing on launch day because they were like any multiplayer game had server issues but they course corrected pretty quickly and it seems like they've recovered and i was just very disappointed that some people were being dicks about it just don't be a dick life a lot of dicks on the internet yeah, it's true. Uh, but apparently there's over a million players now. It looks like the a number of people is 1.5 million players so far, which is kind of wild. That's a lot. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. I saw they were tweeting with Witcher, Cyberpunk, and even Walmart. It's like, yo, how do we work together? Their social person's killing it. Yes, he's on their social media team. And I love that they, the CD Projekt Red social team was like, okay, we will work with you you if you get one retweet, just one. You can't get more. (laughs) And then, of course, you know, like, (laughs) they got more than one retweet. And they're like, listen, like, the legal team here said one retweet. And you you fucked it up. And it's it's been really funny (laughs) watching them go back and forth trying to get characters because the whole thing – is that you can customize your little fall guy and they're these like little blobs. They look like walking like pills with like arms and legs. They're kind of like wobbly and they've got these little beady eyes. Minions, yes. Kind of like minions, but without like the big eye in the middle. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that same pill like shape. 
Or you can ch change the colors and the patterns, and they have all these weird little costumes that you can earn and buy as DLC, and you can earn in game for getting crowns and wins and stuff. And it's just like a, it's just a really fun time. Just having a great time with it. It looks I'm fun. Glad. Yeah. Oh yeah, Chuck E. Like, Cheese. I want to play with you this weekend because yes. I haven't played yet. Yes, let's play. Chuck E. Cheese is all over that too. Oh yeah, we raided Chuck E. Cheese today. <laughs> it's not in real life. No, no. just no. on stream. On After the, Brittany and I did machine. the state of play watch along, uh, one John T. Drake in the chat was like, "Go raid the cheese, raiding the cheese. Let's raid the cheese." And I was like, "Okay, like, I mean, who doesn't want to raid the cheese? Sounds oh. great. Let's go." So we raided Chuck E. Cheese's channel, and the people in the chat were blown away. They were like, "Oh my gosh, we're getting raided! What's happening?" Chuck E. Cheese. And people were like. Where's the Chuck E. Cheese version of this? And it was just, it was just funny because somebody was playing on Chuck E. Cheese's channel, but like they didn't have a mic on. They would just have the game audio going. Yeah. So, Dude, what if they had the, the mouse playing? I mean, I would love that. They wouldn't talk, right? Or wait, does Chuck E. Cheese have a voice now? No. Like most mascots, Chuck E. Cheese doesn't talk. I'm pretty I sure Chuck E. Cheese talks. Wait, Chuck E. Cheese? Let me look I'm, this up. I'm pretty he sure. He did not use. Oh, wait, no, he did on the shows because they would have those weird animatronic stage shows. There was definitely, he would definitely talk then. Oh boy! Huh. Oh man! You know, I don't know if I want to watch. I really don't. Hold on, there's a go. whole video about Chuck E. Cheese's voice history. I stand corrected, everybody. Oh, yeah. oh Lord! The history of Chuck E. Cheese's voice is a video you can watch on YouTube, and I'm not going to play it here because no. we're definitely going to get a content how long ID. Is the, how long is the video though? That video is one minute and seventeen oh, seconds. Okay, very short. I thought it was hoping it'd be like an expose, like a thirty minute <laughs> hour long special at Chuck E. Cheese. The Ugh. deep history of Chuck E. Cheese's voice it's YouTube. Actors. There's weirder shit there. I mean, that's it's true. Not, not, not incorrect. Um, but yeah, that's all I really have to say about it now. I mean, there's a bunch of different types of games to play. It's super fun. It's best. It's best experienced firsthand. Uh, right now, it's currently announced for PlayStation Four and Steam. There are no plans as of right now for that game <laughs> to come to Xbox and Switch. But I have to imagine that once it gets critical mass, much like Rocket League started on PlayStation Plus and Steam, that. Fall Guys will eventually come to Xbox and Nintendo at some point because the game is just it's great. It looks Everyone really should play. It was fun. it was fun, and it's free if you have PlayStation Plus. So there you go. Winner, winner. There you go. Win. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Brittany. No. Final thoughts on your last game of the show. Oh, Paper Mario: The Origami King. So TLDR. Mario and Luigi arrive in a town, and everyone's been turned to origami by King Ollie, that asshole. Uh, so I started playing this game because I haven't played a Paper Mario game in a really long time. And the last time I think I played was, well, was Color Splash last year or a couple years ago. It was the color one. I don't remember. That was the last one I played, and it was like, okay, and I didn't finish it. But I always think about Nintendo 64, Paper Mario, Super Mario RPG. I love me a Mario RPG. So this is like my first jump into it in a long time. And this game is hilarious. It's charming. It's cute. I was laughing out loud so many times. I love the humor in these games. But uh, I, unfortunately, when it came to the combat, it just kind of ruins it for me. It's it's not, it's, I don't know, you ladies have seen the combat. We've talked about it on the show, right? So you have like this wheel and you have to line up the enemies in certain patterns because Mario has a hammer and he has boots. And if you align the enemies in a line, you can use your boots, and you can take them all in one full swip. If you have the hammer, you have to line them up in two by two, and then you can whack them. So you have like a few moves. 
Whack-a-mole, exactly. You have a few moves at the beginning of every battle to twist the wheel as you need to line them up. So you can twist it around in a clockwise or counterclockwise order, or you can arrange the enemies, like, I don't know how to describe this, uh, across the way. So if you want to line them up, you can, like, go left to right. Horizontally? Yeah, thank you. Horizontally, you can kind of, well, kind of. It can be any which way. Anywho, there's a few different ways you can line them up. And you do that, and you have a few moves to do it. If you don't do it, the battles kind of drag on, because now they're not lined up in a nice, efficient, quick manner for you to kill them. And you don't get experience points after fighting anymore. I don't know how long this has been a thing in the Mario Paper Mario games, but you don't get experience points. Instead, you get coins, which you can use to buy gear that will temp- that will break. It's not like your forever no, gear. No! Nobody likes breakable gear. It sucks. Stop now, doing it. Yeah! Stop yeah. it! Stop it. So this is, I got maybe like five hours in at this point before I stopped. And I don't know if that changes in the future, but I tweeted about this because I was like, dang, like I really want, I like everything else about it. But, you know, in any RPG, combat's kind of important and you can't avoid it. And I just didn't like the mechanic of having a puzzle before you actually get into the combat. And I didn't like the fact that I don't get rewarded with experience points and that kind of that grind that I kind of love in these kind of games. Yeah, you want to fill that meter up. Yeah, there is a way where you can get the coins and pay Toads to do the lining up for you, but it still doesn't take away the fact that I don't get the the XP. So it doesn't I feel stopped satisfying to you. It doesn't feel satisfying. Other than that, though, like I love so much about it, but I just didn't. I was trying to avoid all the combat, and I, you know, eh, so really, you just away. want like a story time version of this game. Yeah, if you can take out the combat. Exactly. You know, honestly, it's funny you say that because I, more people have said that. There have actually been articles written about that where it's like, take away the combat, please. Like, or just make it optional. And you got a winner. Hey, but I, I know mean, some they, people they love it. Eventually, but... right? The Final Fantasies have come back. It might take 10 years. But like, the Final <laughs> Fantasies have come along yeah. and been like, you know what? You want to skip combat? We got you. Hit fast forward. Please. I would be all over this game in a heartbeat. But other than that, that's the only thing about it. But unfortunately for me, it was enough to make me not want to play anymore. Uh, also, sorry, I should have said at the beginning, Nintendo provided me with code. Disclaimer. Don't sue disclaimer. me. Yeah. Disclaimer. Don't sue me. Oh, disclaimer. So, I thought you said Steimer. Like, Steimer. Oh. Don't sue me. Yeah. If you, it has that charm and whatnot, but it's just the, the combat didn't do it, so I'm done. I'm done. I moved on to Fairy Tale. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. yeah. It happens. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of What's Good Games. We hope you enjoyed the lengthy and very in-depth conversation. It was a good one. It was. You know, we, we talked about making the show shorter, and we are going to tighten it up, but there was just so much to talk about this week. We hope yeah. you guys enjoyed it. And we hope you enjoy your weekend and that you're going to join me on Sunday for my birthday stream. Birthday girl. It's going to be fun. I'm going to get, like, something sparkly to eat. I'm going to try to use this <laughs> glitter I bought in a different way. Ah, yes. Because the jello, like, sort of worked out, but I feel like there's more experiments to be had. Yeah. And I have a new What's Good Wine video in the works. So keep an eye out for that, everybody. At What's Good Wine on Instagram. Love you. Okay, bye, everybody. Perfect. Steimer is like the piano, and I am the dog that howls along with her. I mean, I sounded like a howling dog right there. You're a beautiful <laughs> piano dog. Beautiful piano dog. Sing us a song. You're the piano dog. <laughs> Sing us a song tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Is that supposed to be a dog howling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
the huskies sounded like they're they go to like such a weird high placed banshee sort of wail. <laughs> just like, what the fuck is that? Uh, it's so just dis- like disconcerting. Uh,